Hey up everyone, and welcome to Yorkshire Gamers, our Reap Big War Games podcast, and episode 14. Quick apology, um, this should have been out last Friday, but unfortunately work commitments meant I couldn't put it all together and get it all edited in time. Uh, not a major problem, um, I only plan to do one episode in September anyway, um, due to some commitments I've got at the end of the month. Um, so, Stick it in the middle of the month, hopefully you'll enjoy this and you'll be ready and thirsty for some more episodes in October, which we will talk about in the back end of the show. Um, just to address a complaint I've had on the on the YouTubes on uh, episode 7, uh, apparently it took an hour and a half to actually talk about the topic of the show and uh, I'm pretty sure that all of you who follow this now on episode 14 are aware that we don't actually talk about the topic until the end of the show and quite often we don't actually talk about wargaming we talk about cricket and uh, various other topics during the course of uh, the interview um, so my apologies if you were expecting um, everything to be about Peter Gilder in this episode um, if you want to miss out all the joy and chat and laughter and fun and everything that we normally do um, and just want to listen about Peter Gilder then uh, I haven't finished recording it yet but I would say about an hour and 50 15 hour and 20 in um, miss all that out don't worry about the guest uh, and his background just straight on to the Peter Gilder stuff you're more than welcome you can listen to him backwards um, through a fish tank for all I care so long as you enjoy him so let's get to episode 14 Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Yorkshire Gamers Reap Big War Games podcast. And uh, if you listen to the last episode, it was something a little bit different with some multiple short interviews and a War Games problem page. But like an old pair of slippers, episode 14 is uh, back to the recognised format. And today's uh, guest's War Game history goes back to the late 1960s. And his blog page, the Independent War Games Group, has been broadcasting his love for the hobby to the world since the late 2009. He's a man of many figures and responsible for inspiring yours truly into the world of the Italian wars. Um, so I'll blame him for that later on. Uh, my guest is also responsible for chronicling the history of one of our hobby's greats, Peter Gilder, on his own dedicated website. And we'll talk about that later in the episode. So let's give Robbie Roddis a huge white rose welcome to Yorkshire Gamers Reap Big War Games podcast. Hello, Robbie. How are you doing? What can I do? I can't. I can't follow that. Really, can I? Might as well just go home now. Really, I'm, I'm certainly not as old as you made us sound. I can assure you. Well, actually, I am. You are. No, I am. I am. No, I... Have you ever done? Have you ever done well, a podcast before, Robbie? Anything? Ever done anything like this? I've been interviewed several times before, like this, but uh, very pressured situation. This is all right. I can this is all right, isn't it? No worries no problem at, all. at all. Um, well, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Peter Gilder at the end of the show and and uh, the website that I mentioned in the introduction. Um, but the first thing I like to do is uh, put on my guests under a little bit of pressure and uh, get them to uh, tell me about their wargaming history. But uh, instead of going on for hours about it, I'm, I'm giving them a little bit of a four minute challenge. Um, so we'll come back and talk about many of the things that you mentioned in this. But uh, are you up to? Uh, summarizing your, your hobby in four minutes i'll try you'll try god knows once i start you'll never stop 
<laughs> well, if there's a there's a little, I've got a little timer on me uh, on my tablet in front of me, and uh, I've got the countdown music on there. Um, so that'll give you a 30-second warning. And then uh, D.I. Jack Regan from the Sweeney will come in and tell you to shut it if you carry on going too long. So so right. you know, so uh, I'll press the button, Robbie. So off you go, mate. I think because of a certain age, I was um, brought up in the late 50s, so I knew a lot of people who were, who'd been through the war. So like a lot of war gamers that came later, they knew a lot about war. They'd seen... Uh, the local people talking about war. We watched it on the television. We had the the, the magazines. And uh, I was fixated by war, full stop, which is actually quite a sad thing, really, when you think about it. So when I when I was 11, I was given a, a box of um, Foreign Legion, Airfix Foreign Legion, and that set us on the road to play with toy soldiers ever since. Mm. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. And obviously, as, as Airfix built on uh, with more figures and more, more uh, different periods, it was uh, it was inevitable that I was going to have to do something with all the soldiers I had. <laughs> so, strangely enough, I discovered wargaming. Um, I was walking past um, a pet shop in a town near where I live, and in the in the window was a sign saying uh, anybody would like to come and learn how to play do wargaming. So, being a young young bloke and full of uh, confidence, I rang the guy yeah. and knocked on his door and went into his house. It's the stuff of murders, really, isn't it? <laughs> So anyway, I was yeah. lucky enough. This stranger was a was a really actually a good bloke called uh, Dave Natris, and uh, he was a man about ten years older than me. And in his in his uh, loft, apart from the bodies, was a fantastic <laughs> ten foot square table. And on the table were fifty four mil Hinchliffe Zulus and uh, hmm. British. But on top of that, he had he had other stuff there. He had twenty five mils uh, Napoleonics. 25 million ancients and I'd never seen anything like it. It was, it was an amazing sight. So as the weeks went by, we agreed to come every, every week and we would play a game. Mm. And strangely enough, the four years I was going to his house, I never actually won a game. <laughs> and, and at the end of the four years, I realized that I was never going to win a game because Dave had this thing about uh, the British army were the best in the world during the Napoleonic yeah. Wars. So the rifles were elite. Yeah. And strangely enough, the Nassau the Nassau infantry were classed as elite as well. So, uh, oh, all right. Yeah. And then, and then when we, we did the ancients, we he fought with Greeks and I fought with Persians. He had a, Sp- a Spartan army which was invulnerable, right? Yeah. But the the point was, he, he showed us the ins and outs. And from him, yeah. I was introduced to a, a couple of other people, and it went from there. And unfortunately, or fortunately, when I got a job in the in the police, I um. I lost contact with him, and for several years, I just gamed. Well, I just played solo games by myself, and uh, thought that was how you did it. Yeah. I didn't know anything about, um, you know, the clubs that were actually taking part and everything. And then one day, I bumped. I saw um, a magazine called Military Modeling, which was uh, had just been released. That would have been I think 1972, 71, 72. And in there, a man called Charles Grant was doing a thing mm. about Napoleonic warfare. And I was when I saw the setup, the photographs were all Peter Gilder. Yeah. And I thought, this is this is how I should walk in. Yeah. Doesn't matter what else. I've... And from there, I just seemed to want to build the same as Peter Gilder, and I wanted the same type of figures. And yeah. then I was lucky enough to come across um, a friend who I've walked in with now for fifty years. And he's mm. a painter and decorator, and I got to know him through a third party. And he came to my house one day and just said, "Would you like the mm. war game?" And I said, "Yeah." And uh, we've done that ever since. 
just the two yeah. of us. As he's got older, he's got more cantankerous. But on top of that, he's also got more crafty about what he does and how he does it. So it's sometimes he, he springs a real surprise on you. John and I, John Rady and I have uh, game now for 50 years plus. And um, yeah. he was one of those people who could paint, he could paint like Peter Gilder. He had this ability and I was able to think, well, I'm going to copy this. And he showed us how to do it. Unfortunately, he then suddenly announced after about 15 years, he was selling all his 25 mils and was going into this new scale, six mil. Oh, six mil. So oh, <laughs> what do you do? Do you yeah. six mil, right? In the end, I sold all my six mil and sorry, 25 mil and started again yeah. with six mil figures. And and that became our forte. We would put on uh, big battles with six mil figures, go to shows and try and get people interested because there's obviously a prejudice against six mil figures. Probably mm. still is to a certain extent, but yeah. you know, how do you paint them? You know, they're too small, mm. blah, blah, blah. But so we tried to show that there was a, 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 an avenue where he could enjoy it. And then about 15 years ago, he suddenly announced he was selling all his six mils oh, no. and going back to 28 mils. <laughs> so, so I thought, what do I do now? So anyway, quite long story short, I sold virtually all my six mils, apart from yeah. the polyonics, and started again with 28 <laughs> mils. <laughs> and started again and then just continued after that. And yeah. um, but we've continued the two of us war game and, and fighting various periods. And that's mm. how it's been, you know, it's right through, you know, we would obviously had other people yeah. war game with, but it was usually the two of us fighting each other in every sense of the word. You know, <laughs> but the most annoying, the most annoying thing is he's kept a journal right from the start. Oh, so he kept he like a tally of how many games each of you has won? Everything. Oh, how, no. <laughs> how we played out, uh, the arguments, who said what to who? And I, I, I said, you've I, I, got to let us read them. And he said, he, there's not a chance. Yeah. And he can tell you when he sold figures, when he bought figures, what I've sold, what he's bought, everything. He has a complete journal of our war game and lives. Some of it, I, I, I just some of the, I just don't even think what he's written about some of the times. Because when you start out, you, you, yeah. you tend to get fraught over very silly things, don't you? Yeah, you know, rules or you've moved too far or, uh, you know, yeah. I don't believe what you, you threw with the right colour dice, you know, things. Yeah. Like, and he's kept it all. And I, I would love to read it. But is, is, he not, is, is he not going to release Sorry? them like the government do after so many years? No, no. His wife's got strict orders to destroy them. Oh, his no. demise, and that's the, oh that's dear. The, but to be fair, I can understand that because I'll be digging them up if, you know, if they're as bad as he claims they are. So, <laughs> but uh, it's... But to be honest, I mean, you'll be the same. I found Wargaming the best stress breaker you can possibly get. Yeah, without a shadow because of a doubt. no matter how bad a job is, you can come home, put the mm. light on and paint some figures and it just takes you out of wherever you've had yeah. and into an area where you can it's, just, it's just lovely, you know, just yeah. think, and that's the way, that's what a hobby should be about really, shouldn't it? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. So you've gone well over yeah. your four minutes there. So, but don't worry about that. Oh, you, were in full, you were in full flow. So I just, let, I just let you go. Oh, um, so is is that is that your main is that your main um, gaming outlet then, or do you go to a go to a club as well? I've never been a member of a club. Uh, mm. I mean, Durham City. Durham City's had a club since the sixties. Was one of the first war games clubs in in the country. And the guy who organized it was a man called Derek Sharman, mm. who uh, used to, he was, yeah, he was. His name's popped honest, up a couple of times, yeah. He was, he was a trendsetter, um, terrible businessman, yeah. like a lot of war gamers. 
but very innovative. He, you know, he would he set up a club. He, he organised a, a big war game show every year. I never felt comfortable in a club, and I, I don't know whether it was because I didn't want people to know mm. that I was a war gamer. Yeah. Or I, to be honest, thinking back, I was probably more to deal with the fact that the people there came from a totally different background to where I came from, and uh, yeah. they were a bit more intelligent than I was. So, you know, <laughs> so there were people who had actually gone to university and done things and, and yeah. knew, knew a lot of history, and I was still learning. Yeah, and you know, I mean, obviously it's changed now. I would just go anywhere, but but it, mm. it's been a good club. You know, it still mm. survives. It's done well, but never never been a club member. Hence the title, Independent War Games. Independent, group. yeah. There's a reason for that. What, what happened was I, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but the War Games Research Group used to yes, virtually control yes, no. the whole of the War Games firmament. The rules, some of the rules were good, yeah. some of them were bad, and. But everything was research group, and it was just like a, a childish blow at saying, yeah. well, we, well, we are independent. <laughs> We're not part of your group. It was yeah. pathetic, really, but um, because, I mean, obviously, it's been replaced by other, other big groups other, now. And, yeah, you know, and other different types of mafia yeah. have taken over the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like the so, warlord. Yeah, so have you um, have you got a setup at home, or where do you do your gaming? I'm going to have to confess to this. <laughs> yeah, I, I always obviously everybody dreams of a, a war games room, and we progressed. John, John, and I used to war game in his loft, in his tiny loft. Yeah, and if you stepped off the thin boards, your foot would go through the ceiling. Ah, right. And then what happened was, <laughs> when I finally bought a house, I was able to get a garage built, and we we war gamed in there. But before that, we used to war game on my sister's bed. She went to university. And yeah. we used to war game on this bed and it was freezing. There was no central heating in the houses then and it was freezing. <laughs> and and if you pressed down on the bed too much, the figures would fall over and fall off. <laughs> but now my wife and I built our own house uh, nine years ago. And the understanding was that when we designed it, there would be a room for war gaming. Oh, brilliant. So, so what I've got actually is a war games room and a bedroom with two beds in in case somebody wants to stop over Right, yeah. so it's a war game annex, and um, so I've got a, I've got a twelve by six table now. So there's two of us on a twelve by six table. It's a bit big sometimes, but it's yeah. it's it's a it's a good setup. Trouble is, you always want bigger, don't you? Yes, you know I mean? that's you're true. Always, that's true. I mean, how how many figures can he put on a table? And you know, I've got a good setup. Let's put it like yeah. that. I think a lot of people who've been on the show have built sheds and converted garages yeah. and um colin do you know colin ashton he's up near you he's i do, um, I do know yeah, him very well yeah yeah he's um he's sort of built an extension purpose built onto his house as well so um i, th- yeah. I don't you, you're not alone in in doing that i don't think no no but the thing is as you get older you in theory have disposable income you know and i could have i could have bought a you know a nice car mm. but instead we, we thought we'd build a retirement home and on the top I'll have a hobby room. The only thing was, and uh, when when we first moved in, I, I moved everything into the room. Mm. So we had the the twelve foot table, we had a paint table, and I had my book collection, and I collect magazines. I had my magazine mm. collection, and I put them all in there. But on top of that, I had over two hundred two foot square terrain boards. Wow! Right, which which <laughs> slid under the table, and and then one night, just a couple of weeks later, I heard this 
terrible crack. Mm. And I mean, it, honestly, I thought it was being an explosion. And anyway, when I switched the light on, the, the roof, would, uh, the ceiling had sagged. Mm. Oh, God. And so I had to run upstairs. I had to run upstairs and get all the, get all the boards out. And, uh, and I rang me, uh, me builder and I said, what, what's happened? He says, well, what, what have you got in the roof? He said, you know, it, you've got the biggest span you can possibly have on a, on a ceiling. Yeah. What have you got in the middle? It's obviously you bent the you bent the support. You had to take all the boards out. So there was two hundred boards that had to be taken out and put in the garage. I, I just gave them away in the end. It was real sad. I, I I had to give them all away. Nobody wanted them. Nobody wanted to buy them. So I just gave them away. But it was a lesson. So now I worry about how much weight I can put in there. So I tend to spread it around the house now. You see. So. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's yeah. a, that's a good cautionary tale because, because until yeah. you start thinking, you, you know, you pick a tray of twenty-eight mil figures up and you think, bloody hell, that's a bit heavy. Oh yeah. And then you think there's thirty or forty or fifty or whatever of these, and you multiply that together, yeah. they're, they're probably houses designed for having a bit of furniture and, and maybe four or five people in them with a bit of tolerance on top. And then yeah. you, you stick mean, a load the, of twenty-eight mil yeah. figures on it. So you've got to remember is that the architects calculate the weight just as a roof with an empty space. You know, once you start piling in, you know, each each MDF board was two foot square, and you have two or three of them, and they weigh quite a bit. You multiply that to up to two hundred, and you're talking <laughs> a lot of weight. But on top of that, I also have a, a I'd have, well have a very big magazine collection. Mm. I, I love collecting war games magazines. It's something I've you know. So of course there's there's thousands now you know so you're thinking that's a lot of weird and then the books and then you get a yeah, short fat yeah, guy standing yeah. on top of that you're talking weird you know you know what yeah, you that's, that, that may, that may be um a, a war game a war gaming related building company is a is a decent business proposition where you could um, give advice to people who are building war games rooms and on on weight distribution and the like to be honest Collins because Collins got his on the ground. He'll, he still complains it's not big enough. You know, <laughs> you're all war gamers are everything, you know, they, they all want as big as they can get and then that's done yeah. some more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, we are really big children and it's just, I want more. Yeah. I want bigger. At least I do. It's very sad. <laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong with it at all. That's basically what that's what this podcast is based on is um, middle aged people wanting more war games figures so what's your what's your sort of go-to what's your favorite period your favorite scales it was napoleonics i mean mm. i think a lot of us were brought up on them you know i still i still enjoy reading reading books about napoleon mm. and uh and i still enjoy reading about the war i was just thinking that idea i've got enormous napoleonic armies in six mil i've never used them five years now they mm. just sat there and i've got every nation the actual thing was that the ambition was I was um, wanting to put on Leipzig in six mil at a show. Mm. So I built the armies. The armies are there, never mm. been used. When we started building the house, I'd only got halfway through the terrain boards and I thought, you know, I'm good time. And we, I never did it. I never fought uh, Leipzig in six mil. So, and then it changed. Um, Blucher rules came in, mm. which... I discovered were really decent, so I switched a lot of the stuff that I had on on uh, the old volume Bayonet uh, basis mm. into uh, Bluker, and then I fell out of love with Bluker, <laughs> and I was stuck. I was stuck between two two different rules. Then you know, so yeah. seeing that, I reverted back to um, volume Bayonet rules, and uh, they're so clever for a simple set of rules that I, mm. I still enjoy the concept of them. You know, so that that's good. But I saw all the all the Bluker rule books and all the cards and everything. You know, but, so what, what so, so now what sort of, what sort of scale? Were you looking at with your Leipzig then the, the project that never got done? How, how big were you looking at doing it? 
table size and figure wise? Well, I was trying to, I, I was doing it on brigades. So each brigade base would have um, 18, 18 strips of figures on. Mm. So, yeah, you know, you're talking, you're talking about 60 figures a base. Yeah. You know, and then you work out, you do the maths for your brigades and the cavalry and everything else. So you're talking at least 12, maybe 14,000 figures, you know? Yeah. And I have them. Big I just have game. them sat in boxes. Yeah. But, but <laughs> then then what happened was, in the 80s, a beautiful, what I thought was beautiful, um, Italian Wars Army, Cesare mm. Borgia, sold it. And then when we went back to 28 Mills, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a Borgia Army again. And luckily at the time, you know, they were starting to bring out the new Borgia series that, that mm. fizzled out, which was a shame. And so the inspiration was there straight away. So I started again. And unfortunately, I then built on to build on a Venetian army, a French army, the Imperialist army, the Spanish army. And then I thought, you know, I think I've got enough now. And then I added a bit more to it. And it was, and then what happened was uh, I was lucky enough. John had a, a Renaissance Turkish army mm. in the 80s. Fantastic. And I located where he'd sold it. And I went to see the guy who bought it and I was able to get it back. So oh, I then brilliant. started building a Turkish army. I've got a big Turkish renaissance. But then after that, of course, I discovered the, the American Civil War, <laughs> which is something I'd never gamed in. Yeah. So, so I, then, I then started a, a 28 mil American Civil War army, both sides, thought better, both sides. And then after that, it, it then got into ancients. And of course, with, luckily with the plastics coming out, it was even better, you know, the mm. tricks in the uh, warlord. I thought I must have an ancient Persian army, and that's when it's really spiraled out of control. Yeah, because you can't have a small now, ancient course, Persian army, can you? No, you can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I did a lot of research on the successes, and I'm, I'm now building up a successor army. But in the meantime, Andy Callan had brought out his, never mind the Bill Hooks. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, there was the Roses. So yeah. I've got what should have been a very small project is grown into a pretty large uh, was the Roses army. Anyway, I'm going tomorrow down to, to, to do a tournament. With, um, oh, is this the, the army. Never, never mind the Bell Hooks event? Where, where, where's that being held? Derbyshire. So that should be good. I hope so. Touchwood. I don't like doing competition games. I'm not a. I can't handle uh, the competition. I think I, I don't know. I just it's more of a fun thing. And, and to be honest, Andy Collins is a great bloke, and uh, so I'm looking forward to get an explanation for some of his new ideas and seeing where he goes with them. You know, and uh, take it from there. So is it, yeah. is it quite a big, so, quite a big event? This, the, I've seen it mentioned in a no. few places, and a, a friend of mine, Chris Breeze, who was on the last episode and who was on the first episode as well, I think's going down yeah. as well because he's um, big into his War of the Roses. Um, I think there's only about sixteen people going. Hmm. You know, I'm going to steer down, have a few beers, and then just have a day's game, and you know, and and that's. That's how, you know, I like it. No, there was the Roses, is a great period. It's a fascinating period, but it's never really been covered properly, I don't think, by war gamers. We, we never yeah. seem to have a specific set of rules that, that captured the period. And mm. to be fair, Andy, he's done a pretty decent job of, I don't know, just a bit of, uh, it feels like it. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely you know. as a period. It's had a, uh, and I don't want to say Renaissance because it's before the Renaissance, but you know what I mean. It's had a, it's had a, uh, a resurgence. There we go. Let's, let's not, not get me yeah. periods mixed up, but it, we've, we've obviously, we've had the Perry figures, um, plastics and, and uh, never mind the Bill Hooks, which was massive, I think, because it came out as a freebie in one of the magazines um, and then there's another yeah. set called Test of Resolve, I think they're called, that I've seen kicking around as well. So it suddenly wow. seems to have come back to the fore, the Wars of the Roses. Yeah, it's 
it, it's it well obviously it came during lockdown so it was perfect mm. it was a perfect project for that you know for them because yeah. you didn't need a lot of figures to start with and uh, mm. but, but I, I can't stop once <laughs> I start painting <laughs> so I just kept I just carried on and carried on and uh, funny enough I've just got took a delivery of some more figures today and I don't need them I enjoy painting them so I thought I'll have yeah. some more you know so and, do you do you paint is, them base and, and do everything yourself or do you buy painted stuff in that's the one project I haven't mentioned English Civil War ah right go on <laughs> and what happened was I, I saw uh, there was a gentleman selling selling some English Civil War regiments about mm. three four years ago and they were all Peter Gilder figures that he'd, he'd had in the army uh-huh. and uh, and I, and I thought, these are fantastic. And John and I used to do English Civil War many years ago, and I thought, I'm going to have old-school English Civil War armies. Nice. And um, and I said, I'll only, I'll only have 10 units aside. It'll only be a small project. <laughs> so we now, I'm now up to, I, I can fight Marston Moore easily now that yeah. I'm painting the Scots. But So what I did, I, I painted a lot of them myself, but in order to pad them out, I started buying in badly painted units or yeah. poorly painted units. Mm. And I was lucky enough when Poe Stuart Asquith died, some of his warrior English Civil War regiments came on the market. Ah, right. So yeah. I bought them and I thought, well, I can't really paint them because they're painted by Stuart Asquith. Yeah. So I've rebased them there in there. And then I got some really, really old mini minifigs and I rediscovered the love that is minifigs. Yeah. And thought, these figures are really cute. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I repainted them. So I've got poorly painted figures, repainted and well-painted, all figures, rebased, and uh, it's a big army. It's big armies now, I must admit. Yeah. It's quite sad. <laughs> have you any, any idea <laughs> of, a, of, a total, of a total figure count? I'll just check the door. I have no idea, and I dare <laughs> count them, I'll be honest. <laughs> and it's, 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 not, it's not through false modesty. I just, if I counted them, I think I would frighten myself. Yeah. I haven't got as, as many as I used to have, but I've got more than I should have. Right. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good description. I like that. I wanted. I wanted to go back to Charles Grant, uh, the war game. Mm. You know, the which was the book that started everything for me. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. So I decided to do Seven Years' War, which I'd never done in my life, but I wanted mm. figures that looked more old school. So it was a gentleman called Steve Hazelwood who produced a series of figures called Pax Britannica in the eighties. Yeah. Fantastic guy. Fantastic sculptor. He's, uh, he, was, he was a policeman, a right jackal lad, but a fantastic <laughs> talent. Honestly, a right jackal lad. And he produced this uh, range of Seven Years' War figures where they were all in March attack poses. But the only place you can get them now is in America. And they only come in bags of 36. So all my Seven Years' War regiments are 36 figures. Well, obviously. And all my cavalry regiments. <laughs> and all the cavalry, because it comes in bags of 24, 24s. I mean, Steve Hazelwood was, was, was a genius in a lot of respect. Other people have copied his style over the years. And, uh, but unfortunately, he, he went to America and, and then died prematurely. Mm. But he, he, was, he was quite a guy and quite an amazing guy. He was the one, uh, have you ever seen any, any of John Rear's paint work in uh, modeling? If you go back into some of the early miniature war games magazines mm. or the illustrated magazines, there'll be the odd thing of John Rear's figures. Beautiful figures. All, all sculpted himself mm. and then painted by a friend of mine up in County Durham. Mm. And he produced a book about six years ago, this fantastic book full of all these uh, units. Mm. And John Rear 
and Steve Hazelwood learned off each other about how to make these figures. Ah, right, yeah. And they're all anatomically correct. Faces are very, very, you know, just really lovely figures. Mm. But there's not much uh, movement in them. They're all just march attack. So yeah. I, have, I have lots that, of them as well. That gives it that classic old school look, doesn't it? That all one yeah. uh, one, one pose yeah. in a regiment. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. See, this is the thing, you know, um, I know we touched on Peter Gilder. Mm. War gamers, a lot of war gamers, if, if they come into it, don't know about the people who came before. It, it's sometimes it's it's sometimes nice to know what came before. Yeah. Then you can either make, learn not to do the same mistakes or you can pick some ideas up that mm. you can then snaffle and use again and yeah. say it's your own. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've just thought of this idea. Funny enough, I, I, was, I was jotting some notes down and, and one of my very, very first games ever, I used playing cards to decide who'd, who killed who. I was only about 11. So, <laughs> you know... Simon Miller and his playing cards, he stole yeah. that idea off me. I just, he just didn't know it. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? I mean, I, mean, I think... Yeah, <laughs> no, to be do, you fair. Want, do you want me to try and get a check off it? No, thanks. No, <laughs> no but, I, you know, it, it struck as I thought it was a logical thing to do for a, a young kid. You know, why not? Why not do it like that? But uh, it's, yeah, it's there you go. I think, that, yeah, I think there's very, <clears> very little that's new. <clears> so I have a lot of figures. Games. Yeah, I think there's very little that's new in war games rules. Um, they 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 tend to circulate around, and the ideas will be presented in a slightly different way, maybe, or in a slightly different order. Uh, yeah. But I think most of the time, people have seen it before. Um, so um, yeah. we, we mentioned briefly uh, your, your independent war games group. Um, is that is that just a group of one? There are two of us. Two. There's a group there, of two. I'll tell you the reason why. I had to have a name. Um, yeah. John John's uh, fascinated by rules, hmm. and in the eighties, uh, I, I convinced him to write a set of rules, Napoleonic hmm. rules. I thought I better make them professional, so we we took the name and saw the rules, and then from there, yeah. I got him to do an American Civil War set, which were honestly they were great. I couldn't sell <laughs> any, but I used to give him a weird yeah. shows. And then when I discovered uh, Old School Seven Years War, hmm. I convinced him to write another set, which actually got a review in one of the magazines. Oh, but brilliant. the only thing in the review, no, yeah, not really. The no, only thing the review I noticed was that I'd used a very large font to write the rules. <laughs> but the, the reason was, is that I couldn't read, couldn't read what had been written. So I put it in a larger font for the old people, you know. Yeah, okay, I think, I think that's yeah, very yeah. considerate I, at the end of the day. But on top of that, because we used to do a lot of shows, I used to always create a handout. So I used to have a nice, you know, a nice title, what the battle was, you know, and give people free handouts and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, I mean, we're never going to recruit anybody, but it was yeah. just to say, well, this is where it is. And this is how war gamers play, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. and I think a lot of shows forgot what the show was actually about, which is really to try and explain to people. But of course, now mm. the only people that seem to go to shows are the war gamers, you know? Yeah. Where in the, yeah. in, the in the 70s and I think the 70s and 80s, there was people coming and saying, well, what's this? How do you do this? Mm. So, you know, the people had a lot of interest. But, of course, now everything's on the internet. And if, But on top of that, I mean, you know, most kids go through the games workshop phase. So they think that's how you play war games. Yeah. Help I think us, we, but, yeah. We, we, we at Leeds, we do a show called Fiasco at the Royal Armouries. And, you um, certainly do. Yeah, we still get a reasonable amount of interested Members of the public who've 
been to the museum, you know, I've seen uh, a poster or a stand or something in the museum for our show and then come in and have a look round. So we do occasionally get people who are fresh to the hobby, which is always nice um, to, to have uh, fresh people to talk to rather than people to argue about well, your uh, uh, something you've done on your table yeah. or a button colour that's wrong or something well, like that. Well, to be honest, I mean, Fiasco, is, I'm looking forward to going to Fiasco this year, mm. but I love the location. So you've got your Independent War Games Group website um, blog. Um, it's been going for quite a long time now. It's, it's what, 12, 13 years? Um, what was your what was your kind of thinking behind the the, 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 blog, the blog and all the stuff that's on there? I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> it was formed. My wife was very, very ill with flu mm. one new year, and we were meant to be going out on the drink, and I couldn't go out. Yeah. So instead of that, I put her to bed, went upstairs, and, and I thought, I'm going to have a go at this blog thing. <laughs> I created this <laughs> blog because I wasn't allowed to go and celebrate the new year. But to be honest, I'd thought about it for a while, and, and I'll tell you for why. Um, I think I think a lot of people think about wargaming. Mm. Well, at least I do, I do a lot. And I, mm. I like to try and think, well, you know, what can we make make it better? How can we make it better? Mm. You know, what can we do that so more people want to do it? You know what I mean? And mm. then, so I try, I just try and make something, try and think about what I'm trying to get across, throw a couple of odd, odd controversial points in it just to see the reaction. And uh, yeah. I also found it was a great way to keep a, a record of what I'd been painting. Yes, that's, yeah. Very I, found, I found over the last, certainly the last three years, my memory's starting to really struggle. And I don't know mm. whether it's too many blows to the head or too much drink. <laughs> but I find that I really can't put, so I can go back to the blog and think, oh, God, I did it then. Yeah. And and I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And, and it's nice. Through that, I've actually um, been, you know, people have got in touch. And mm. and from there, you know, I, I built up you know, a few people I, I would never have been in contact with, met mm. them. Yeah. And one guy in particular is a lad called Jason, who, um, who was lucky enough to buy most of Peter Gilder's Renaissance collection. Ah, right, yeah. And he, he got in touch out of the blue, uh, Jason Williams, and he got in touch mm. out of the blue, and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm rebasing the collection. Mm. Would you like the spare figures? Wow. Right? Said, yeah, yeah <laughs> ju ju just tell us how much you want. For now. Yeah. And he wouldn't take any money. He wouldn't take any money. This is, and this is yeah. the, the best part about war gamers. Mm. We, you know, you share things, don't you? And yeah. and so I used to get I used to get a small package with the odd figures in, and it was the brilliant, I, you know. And it's just nice to have something. You think, well, this is being used at Peter Gilder's place. You yeah. know what I mean? And That's absolutely so, fantastic. And and so the, the blog the blog is really just it just grew out of being I couldn't get out of the house. <laughs> mm. But you've kept it going, haven't you? You still you're still fairly regularly post on that. Oh yeah. Did you not find that uh, lockdown's been a problem in the sense of? You, you become quite introspective, certainly I did, and I found that you didn't want to communicate with people because you thought, well, you know, what am I going to say? You know, I haven't been out the house, I'm sat mm. here watching television, and so it's been quite difficult. The, the last certain last six months has been difficult in, mm. in, in, because you haven't got much you can say, really, have you? You know, I've painted yeah. these figures, I've read this book, and, <laughs> and then after that, what, are you going, what the hell are you going to do? You know, it's, yeah. it's a social, it's a social uh, thing. Uh, war game to me you know mm. it's nice to meet people and talk about you know daft soldiers and and oh, i wouldn't paint them like that you should paint them like that you know it's, it's yeah stuff like that was good you know 
Uh, and that's why the blog, the blog's more of a social thing now, you know. Yeah. Although I must well, admit, I, I made the I made the I made the error the other week of um, saying I was never going to have Alexander Lade in my uh, Macedonians. I was going to because he was such a bad man uh, as a throwaway. You started a fight. <laughs> I did. I did start a fight. Yeah. And it's uh, and it was just it was just meant as a bit of fun, you know. Yeah. Not. I mean, he was a horrible, nasty little bloke, but but he was still a great general. But he was still horrible. You know, yeah. a great bad man, but but we all have our favourites. We all have our people, you know, that we don't like. You know, mm. my mine's Frederick the Great, but um, yeah, he's not not a nice person. But there you go. <laughs> uh, well, I think that I think I think that uh, that, that brings us neatly round to uh, we've we've mentioned it briefly as well, but that brings us ne- neatly round to uh, one of our joint friends, Mr. Cesare Borgia. Um, you won't have known until until today, but it was your war game in the Borgias sort of subsite, isn't it, of your of your independent war games group yeah. website that got me going again on Italian wars because it was something we did hugely in the eighties in fifteen mil, um, and and started on well, I say started. Um, I'm up to about a thousand fifteen hundred figures now. Um, so where where does your love for that period come from? I'm embarrassed to say it started with the BBC series in the uh, in the 80s mm. you wouldn't have been you'll have been a tot but basically the... <laughs> no I'll have been a teenager or early 20s all right then. well I've got I've got the original television series and uh, I'm trying to name the actor the actor who played Cesare Borgia was brilliant you know and yes I, I can see again, his face yeah. he had his detractors yeah, he, you know, he had his detractors, but he he also had he had people who praised him. But when I started reading around the subject properly, I thought this is a really interesting man in a really interesting period. But I was a member of the uh, Pike and Shot Society then, and I used to used to write little articles for it. So I started thinking, well, I'll, I'll do the Italian Wars, but I'll do the Cesare Borgia part of it because it's a little bit different from the normal, you know, French yeah. and French and Spanish, and um. It just grew from that, and and I was lucky enough uh, this time. Uh, uh, I was introduced to a lad called Pete Smith. Pete's flags. Oh yes, Pete. Yeah, and, and he's Pete, um, he's he's currently right. painting me. He's promised me um, a a standard for Charles the Eighth at Fort Novo. Um, so I've done some command bases Fantastic. for it. And, it, and I've left. I've deliberately but, left the flagpole blank and sent him a photograph right. of it just to remind him. Pete, I, I bumped into him, and we. Just, I don't even know how we got talking. He's a great big lad, and he frightens the friends of living daylight out of you. But you know, really, really brilliant. Anyway, cut long story short, I, I got talking about Borges, and yeah. he agreed to create to create a set of flags. But he saw he saw pernickety. The research he did was fantastic. Mm. So you know, and I, I don't know if you've seen the flags. I don't. You, but you'll have them. I've, yeah, I've used I've used lots of them. I've used well, lots I've, of them. The, especially the I wanted I wanted a Borgia guard. You know, and. Uh, mm. And so I've got like the pike in uh, the militia pike in the red and white, and then I've got the, mm. his guard. You know, it's got it all that. But then I'd, I'd been to um, I'd been to Florence, and I, I discovered um, about the black band, the mm. real black band, not the yeah. French one. Anyway, cut long story short, Pete had been in touch with an Italian uh, professor. He got the proper standards, the information for the proper black band standards. I don't know if you've seen them with the, yes, the, the devils little, on them. The little yeah. devils on them, yeah. Well, I asked him if he'd make some of them and he did. And I thought, got to, got to have these as well. And of course, <laughs> he does so many beautiful flags that you just got to go, do the blooming units to go with it. He does, yeah. yeah. But what a if period, it, you know. Yeah. So what started it, BBC. Yeah. The television programme. 
it wasn't as earthy as the 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 last series, the the one where there was more people naked. But the, yeah, it, the, it was the, Sky did, yeah. the one that Sky did, yeah. Well, they they stopped, you know, they obviously ran out of money and just gave up, you know, which is such a shame. Mm. But um, I mean, when you read it, when you read the books about him, he's a fascinating character. He's so unlucky that he's his father died at the wrong time. It's interesting, you know, um, his bodyguard, who was his uh, main advisor, when when Cesare was ill, the Pope, the, the next Pope, captured uh, his advisor and tortured him. Mm. And he refused to tell tell uh, his torturers anything about Cesare. And the Pope wow. said, my first honest man, you can let him go. Wow. And so you think, well, he obviously, it must have been some, some, some reason why he created loyalty like that. You know what yeah. I mean? So he's uh, quite a character. I'd like to see you, Rami. <laughs> I'm intrigued now. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you'll be able to see it at Fiasco. Hopefully, I'm um, I'm putting a game I'm putting a game on there because um, there's a few traders who aren't coming or have stopped in the two years that it's not been on, um, and they're just using it as uh-huh. a bit of an excuse to have a little bit more space between everything in the in COVID times. It was never a packed show as it was anyway. But um, so um, I'm hopefully going to put an Italian Wars game on there. So you'll uh, you'll see me there in me in me Archie Gamer T-shirt, and uh, we can have a, a critique of me Italian Wars. Twenty eight mil. Twenty eight mil. No, no, yeah. I don't. I don't critique oh. honestly. <laughs> well, it's, you, a, I, it's all. Your, I'll just say it's all your fault, Robbie. Anyway, so there you go, mate. Well, I tell you what, I'm fixated by uh, gendarmes. You know, I've got more gendarmes than probably existed. But when in my first Borgia Army, I had a, a unit, what was called Vulcan Miniatures. And they were these big, they were kit form. You put yeah. all the bards on piece by piece. You put the, the body on and then you, you stuck the head in it. But they were like, they were very strange looking pieces. But when you put them together and paint them, they were fantastic. Hmm. And, and Gilda, what Gilda used to do, being Gilda, he would plagiarise their figures and make his own and they look fantastic so yeah. I've, i i located some of these figures and i've got a whole unit of these barded uh, monsters and they yeah. are they wear a ton <laughs> so and and that was one of the reasons why i wanted to go back because they had loads of uh plumes and everything it just and you think what on earth is that but when you see them painted they look great you know and i like yeah. to see gendarme you know like steel fist yeah i mean they're brilliant. absolutely phenomenal um, so just to finish off this in- introduction section, then I like to get everyone to um, just kind of describe or talk about what type of wargamer they are, because there's different sort of sides to the hobby and, and different people like different aspects of it. So I've broken it down into four sections, and that's wargamer, painter, collector, and historian. Are, are any of those four your main focus or... How how are you? Do you see yourself spread out in those four different sections, if you like? All four. All four. <laughs> Def- um, I would. I, I sometimes wondered if I was more of a painter yeah. than a war gamer, mm. and the reason is that I, I've always enjoyed painting. Didn't matter what it was, I, you know. If, if I saw a figure that was nice, didn't matter what scale, and I, it was looked nice, I would buy it and paint it. But I, I, I'm also obviously a war gamer. I, I like. Yeah. I like I like the tension in a war game, and and, mm. and when things go wrong, after a while it becomes quite funny. I find it yes, <laughs> it's quite nice things. To, honestly, sometimes when you're losing badly, you just think this is ridiculous, you know, and it's quite <laughs> funny. But when you win, you win. Your victories are much nicer because you don't get many. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Collector definitely because yeah. um, I'm lucky enough. Uh, when I said uh, you know I said I had all these terrain boards, uh, I swapped a hundred of them. For a chariot, right? 
one, <laughs> it, was it a big chariot? One, no, one twenty-five mil chariot. Yeah, and it was a chariot that Charles Grant had painted, and it's on the oh, front wow. of his ancient yeah. war game book. Yeah, and and I didn't expect it to be fair, but Rob Young, who was who was a lad who who was uh, who took the boards very kindly, said, "Oh, I've got to give you something." I said, well, "I don't want money." He says, "Oh, I've got this. It's from Charles Grant." I said, "I'll wow. have that." Yeah, but I've also been looking enough. I've got a, a, a locate a couple of figures that um, John Ray, Hazel, Hazelwood uh, made when, yeah. when they were first starting out. And I've got them. I like them. And then I was lucky enough to get some of Peter Gilder's, uh, just two, two units of Peter Gilder's gendarmes. Mm. And, uh, you know, fantastic. And I just thought, you know, I, I, this is great. And then, I, you know, so I think I collect ephemera that belongs in war games history. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I like that stuff. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's, it's great to see that it doesn't end up in a, in a skip somewhere and that somebody's got holes of this. Um, oh. the, some of the iconic units that you think about when you think about those old books. Well, but basically what happened was there was a lad called Dave and he knew mm. Duncan and when, when Duncan McFarlane, the late Duncan McFarlane, yeah. he went bankrupt poor lad, you know, his, mm. his company went under. And he had to move out of his house. His house was getting repossessed. So what happened was there was a call call made. I'm going to have to get his name on in two seconds. It's very annoying. It's Dave Thomas. Oh, Sorry Dave Thomas from the, from the shows who takes the Perry stuff around. Yeah. 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 But Dave, anyway, Dave's, how, how would you forget his name? Anyway, long story short, <laughs> Dave Thomas went, went to this house where Duncan used to live. And it was piled high with metal. Everywhere you went, there was thousands and thousands of figures. Mm. And the, the bloke who repossessed the house said, I've got a price for them to be weird into a scrapyard. Yeah. What do you think they're worth? And, and Dave, he said, I couldn't buy them all. He said, yeah. but I've got two van loads of figures. Yeah. He said, and thousands of other figures were then put into a, a bin and melted down. Oh. And I just thought, and you're just thinking, you know, I, I, Dave still hasn't sorted them. They're still in big boxes in his garage. Wow. Because you got that many, but but yeah. the thought of all those figures just go on, you're just thinking, my God, it, it, it's awful. And that that really I uh, really worry about that. You know, <laughs> mm. well, you know, they're all gonna go into a skip. Yeah, they are probably. But getting very... back to your question, yeah. I used to like doing painting competitions at shows, mm. Northern Military in particular. So I used to like painting and I, I wasn't bad. I was never gonna be as the best. Mm. And I, I once came second at salute, and oh, I yeah. thought that was the pinnacle for me. Uh, strangely enough, the unit I, I, I got second with was was sold straight afterwards, went to America. But anyway, yeah. cut long story short. And then Duke McFarlane got them back for all things. But anyway, so I, I like the paint. Yeah. As I've got older, I've realised spending too much time painting, get more time gaming. Yeah. So I'm a gamer now. Well, thanks. Thanks very much for that. Um, we'll take a quick short break for the audience there. It was a great introduction. Got to learn loads and loads there. And uh, we'll be back in a minute when we have our usual uh, second part talking about big games. So in the, in the, in the second bit of the of the podcast we like to talk about big games and um not the sad demise because um i'm gonna bring them back to the fore um, so um when you think about a big game robbie what what's what comes to mind what does a big game to me mean to you i was lucky uh, in 1919 mm. i went up to glasgow yeah for uh, a charity battle of waterloo 
Ah, yes, I know about this. I didn't know you were involved well, in it, though. Well, so I, I painted up, uh, you had to do a contingent, yeah, and you could you could play, put your money in for the charity yeah. for the, the, the veterans. And uh, I did uh, an element of the Young Guard in 28 mil. And there was 22,000 figures there. Yes. Right? <laughs> and there was, there was four tables of 36 feet, and uh, there was 80-odd people took part. Now that that was the ultimate. That's a big game. That is definitely a big game. Yeah, that was a big game. That was an excellent game. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I, I was dreading it because because some of these games become chaotic, but but they ran yeah. it so well. My definition of a mm. big game is I, I had to go back through um, the magazines that uh, I've I've got, and in 1990, uh, <clears throat> before probably before you were even shaven. Um, <laughs> I'm in the Practical Wargamer. Yes. Yeah. I'm in the Practical Wargamer, the Battle of Blenheim. Yeah. And I did, <clears throat> what I did was John and I wanted to do, uh, Malberian was, so we did it in six mil and uh, we, would go, we we decided to stage the Battle of Blenheim mm. on a table. The table was, uh, I think it was 28 foot long. Yeah. And uh, six feet wide. And we, we, uh, we invited people to come and take a part. I was, I was cheekier then and I, and I rang up, uh, uh, I rang up a man I'd always admired uh, called Charlie Wesencraft. Yeah, yeah. One of the proper pioneers of war. Yeah, yeah. And he, he said, yeah, I'll come. It was amazing. And, and uh, I rang a guy called Paul Stevenson, who yeah. wrote a couple of books, War Games, but yeah. it was a great lad. They yeah. turned up. And uh, we ended up with a six-a-side Battle of Blenheim. Brilliant. And it was fantastic. You know, yeah. it, was, it was, and and then after that, once you get the taste for it, I wanted to do Austerlitz, so I hired a Durham War Games group, and I, I put on a, a, a big version. It was about 30 foot long, the table, yeah. of Austerlitz. And, it, and I'm just having a look there. The French had 123 battalions. Yeah, they're going to be sort they of 36 figures. Oh, six mil, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but they're in 36s, and, yeah. uh, and we used John wrote a set of rules. And so we had, I think we had about 12 aside, and uh, it was... It was tired of mine. It was exhausting, but it was a great, <laughs> yeah. it was a wonderful experience. And then I looked through it and, you know, uh, Chrissy, Quattrobar, Rob. And then I had this stupid idea to do Borodino. Oh, yeah. And um, that was a, that was a killer, that one. And I invited Charlie Wesencraft again and uh, yeah. got his horrible war game in a fight. Is he? Against. Oh, he tortured us as a Russian. He absolutely tortured oh, it's just awful, but you know, I, I think we, I think we had a uh, twelve aside on that, yeah. And each one had a role, and you, you give them a basic, you know, you are so and so, yeah, you know, and, and you give them a, a little bit of an extra thing, like don't tell such and such that you hate them, or you know, yeah. you build in a little bit of tension, and uh, it was just a good laugh. But war games to me should be big tables, yeah, lots of figures, lots of eye candy, little, little. I like the little dioramas of things happening around you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's nice when you you have something that's happening that's not part of the battle, but you can look at it and think, oh, well, that's interesting. You know yeah. what I mean? And, you know, if it's hanging a deserter or whatever, but, this, you know, you get it all that in. I worry sometimes that the way war gamers go on, where they go on into smaller and smaller, you know, mm. uh, battles and, you know, most of, them, most of them are skirmishes now, really. And, yeah. and they're very enjoyable, but they're not, Meaty for me. I like mm. when you've seen somebody who's 
worked hard and put in a lot of figures that they have painted and then you're fighting this lovely battle. It's mm. brilliant. You know, it's a, it's a great experience. I think you've mentioned there a few, quite a few of the things that make <coughs> a, 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 a big game really good. And some people have had a, yeah. have played in a big game and have, have had a bad experience. They've been on a flank and moved once every four hours or yeah. et cetera. So uh, for you then, is it important that everyone's involved and everyone's got that little bit of a backstory, if you like, to make it more interesting? I did a one of uh, Aspen Eslin, you know, which is a real, it's a real hard battle for the French. And, you know, you've got to try and say to the Austrian commanders, you know, you were trying to beat the French. You're not just trying to hold the French back. So yeah. some people would be classed as like rash and others yeah. would be classed as, you know, a little bit more timid. So mm. we'd have different type of uh, thing, uh, goal to achieve. Yeah. You know, you're, you, you're, you were going to capture this town and you're going to keep all of it. Yeah. You know, you don't need to do anymore. But the idea is to get each one involved. And then at the end, you'll see, all right, you're, you didn't win your objective. You mm. won yours, you know, type of this. And and it's just try. I know exactly what you're going to say. I, I, I can remember uh, going to, um, I was lucky enough to go to a um, Donald Featherston uh, Memorial Weekend at the War Games Holiday Centre. We were fighting the Polonics and the, the two people on the flanks didn't get the move. The scenario just didn't allow them to do anything, really. And I thought, you know, you paid your money. Yeah. You want to be part of it. You know what I mean? Mm. You want to be into it. And and it's and that, that that's awful to me. You've got to be part of it. You've got to be part of the whole game and involved in, in the, the tension and everything else that goes with it. Otherwise, it's it's very frustrating if you're not. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's awful, you know. But, uh, yeah. but I, you know, I, I think everybody's had a bad experience. I mean, I, I'm not going to name names, but... Uh, many years ago, we were John and I were in, and the other lad were invited to a a big uh, war game Wagram weekend, twenty five mil mm. game. Yeah, and um, funny enough, we were, we were using research group rules. I think this is probably what plays <laughs> against them. Yeah, and by the middle of day one, we were at the stage where somebody was going to be beaten up. This tension was so strong. Yeah, and and it was like it was awful. And at the end of day one. I just said to John, I said, we can't come back to this game. This is awful. Yeah. And and it was just that there was a couple of people just didn't hit it off and they were yeah. fighting against each other. You know what I mean? They were actually opponents. Best thing we'd have done was we'd separate them, put them on the other ends of the tail. But unfortunately, it <laughs> killed the whole game. You know, yeah. And and it can happen, can't it, on a big game? Yeah. You can get somebody who's not the wrong type of war gamer, but the wrong type of war gamer for somebody who doesn't like that type of work, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, you know, you know, do, do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, yeah. Know. Cause I, 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 I found, I found that generally um, with, with bigger games that you tend to have the, uh, the people who aren't that bothered about winning, the ones who tend to want a, more of a laugh than a competitive streak, mostly because they're yeah. not picking their armies. They're not building to a points total. They're, they're kind of sat down in front of a, block of figures and go right this is what you've got go and stomp over that bridge or whatever um so i, I think that that's got part mm -hmm. partly to do it i think it's a there's there's lots of different types of war games yeah. and i think larger battles tend to um uh, obviously generalizing tend to not have as many competitive players in it could spoil it yeah if, if you've got somebody who's not that interested mm. you know it can really spoil it and and you really, you want somebody who's, who's interested, 
enough to want to play and really enjoy the experience as opposed to just, I'll push these troops around and that's the end of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it, you've got to try and think about who, you know, who to invite sometimes. But to be honest, um, I, I always wanted to uh, meet Charlie Wesencraft anyway, and it was a great, yeah. great way to be introduced to him. And, and when, I, when I met him, I wasn't disappointed. He was just a wonderful bloke, an absolute diamond of a bloke. Well, and, that's uh, a great and, way of and, doing uh, it, just ringing him up and going, oh, did you fancy coming to this game? Oh, I was as cheeky as any. I just used to do with you. I said, well, you, you'll know when I just see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and to be honest, shy, shy boys get no toys. I did the same with Dunk McFarlane. You know, yeah. I, I, I didn't know him from anywhere. And I, and I, I went to see him and I said, uh, uh, Mr. McFarlane, I understand you, you, you know, you were, used to know Peter Gilder. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, what was he like? <laughs> what was he like? <laughs> well, I tell you what, ignore the show you meant to be at. Well, just have yeah. a sit down. Well, I'm a bit, a bit talk. Yeah. And to be honest, he was good as gold. And he was, yeah. he's a, he was a lovely fella, you know. But uh, terrible, terrible businessman. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, <laughs> like, like a lot of war gamers, you know, that went starting out anyway. But yeah. uh, I think we used to do uh, four shows a year, John and I. And it, and it, as we got older, it, it's really hard work. It is. <clears throat> I mean. I mean, John's now 70 and yeah. I'm 65 now. And and the last show we did was uh, two years ago. We did an English Civil War. We said we would never do any more. Yeah. We said, uh, last last time I said, no, we've got to do one. And <clears throat> I came back and I was exhausted. Yeah. And all I'd done was talk and play soldiers. And I was yeah. exhausted. Yeah. You know, and, and I thought, well... Maybe it's, I can remember um, John Tuckey, who, who died just recently, and, and I can remember his games from the 70s and so the 80s and 90s, these massive games. And the bloke was, he must have been tired out, knackered at the end of the day because he had thousands of figures on a table, you yeah. know, and, you know, and he just, it's a big commitment, you know, but it's, a, you know, you, you want to do it, don't you? Mm. You've got to want to do it, otherwise you yeah. wouldn't do it. I, I remember. It's, it's, I remember we used to go every year to Edinburgh, um, oh, when, Edinburgh. when we were when we were younger, um, and that was that was a real chore. In that you know you'd be up at four, yeah. three, four o'clock in the morning. We'd get a minibus and drive round everyone's house and pick everyone up, and then try and get there um, and set up and game all day have some tea and then come back home and you'd, you'd be doing 20, 24 hours easily. Well, uh, did, did he used to go to the old one at Adam house? The one, the one where you had to go up all the stairs. Yeah. 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 I volunteered us to do that, but I, I thought I'm not driving up on the, yeah. on the day of the, the show. Yeah. So I, I rang them up and I said, I want a bed for the night. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I'm not paying. Yeah. <laughs> so I, they were very nice about it to be honest they were very nice about it and they, and yeah. they said yeah yeah we'll, we'll get you somewhere so i made poor john who doesn't like to leave home and we, yeah. we slept overnight on the floor of a but i made him go out drinking right and we ended up we ended, we ended up in the company of um trevor dixon out of dixon's yeah. miniatures he had a, his wife. We ended up absolutely slaughtered me and her. We were absolutely <laughs> scuppered with drink. But, and you're thinking, and the next day you're thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have come up here. This is crazy. As we climb the three floors and, you know, and you, you put your game on 
Well, you did it, didn't you? You did it because yeah. you wanted to go to the show. And to be honest, yeah. it was a great show. Claremore was a brilliant place to go. It was, and, yeah. uh, they were lovely war gamers. They, they were really yeah. good fun in there. Plus, I, I won the paint competition there, so it was even better. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I remember know, so the last thing we, we took a huge game, 28 mil game of Culloden up there, um, which was fantastic. All right. Lo- oh, they'd love we, that. We, they'd loved it. And there was loads of people going, ah, that one there's my great great grandfather or whatever. And then all the clan, <laughs> all the clans were named. So everyone was and no nobody admitted to being on the government side. Uh they were all pointed to the no. islanders. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Funny yeah. enough, I, I must be inspired because as I painted uh, some uh, found the um, Scots yeah. uh, English Civil War Scots that won and obviously uh, had a better yeah. chance if they were Scots so uh, you know yeah. so I learned, I learned a lesson there but it was uh, it's a good show that uh, but it's hard work it's a big commitment isn't it it is but, it is. but to be honest you know you, you meet some people that you're going to you're going to meet mm. you know at the next show it's great you know it's yeah. great that's where I enjoyed I miss it the Covid's been awful for that you know, yeah. the social aspect aspects destroyed. It's terrible. You know. So with, with just the two of you normally then putting on those games, um, would you yep. invite yep. people to come along? Was that how you got your extra play extra players? For the big games, I, I'd, yeah. I'd send an invite out. Or if I was at a show mm-hmm. and there was some people there, I'd say, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to do the big game at such and such. Would you like to attend? Yeah. And put an invite out at the time. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes you think, well, I don't know him. What's he going to be like to war game with? And to be honest... They usually absolutely fine, you know. Yeah. Most people like yeah. war gaming will yeah. be good war gamers, and yeah, you know, they might not be the luckiest war gamer, but at least they enjoy <laughs> the game. That's the good. Thing. You know, well, that's, that's you, you don't mind. I'm not going to name a name, but I can remember it. Um, Aspen Eslin, I gave a guy a command of the French, uh, um, in the island, Aspen mm. Eslin. And by halfway through the game, he suddenly started moving his troops off the table to the back of the table. This is what you're doing. Well, we can't win this. I'm retreating. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and he just decided the French couldn't win. So he'll just, just retire all, the, all these troops. And I thought, well, and, and he was right. He was right in one respect. But as a yeah. game, well, he wasn't right. I said, well, yeah. You're going to spoil the game. Ah, well, you can't win. And we'll, you know, but yeah, nobody, nobody wants to, I'm, nobody I, wants to see little later. lots of toy soldiers retreating, do they, at the end of the day? Oh, that's a great no. game. What's this called? No. Uh, no. The retreat from Aspernes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> you know, but there you go. All I'm going to say was if they ever mm. organized another great game, Waterloo, yes, I would thoroughly recommend it. Professor Pollard, Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard, brilliant. Yeah. Him and he, brilliant, absolutely. The whole the whole weekend was so well done, to, even to the the costume people. You know, it was it was a brilliant idea, and and it, we're an experience. We get the yeah, chance to do it. The, the, the photographs do. of it were absolutely amazing, and I, I'm pretty sure there was something work related that I just couldn't get out of that stopped me going. Um, and it's a real shame I couldn't make it. Um, and um, I've listened to Tony Pollard talk about it on a number of occasions, and. Not only was great. the the cause fantastic, the reason why they were doing it, um, yeah. but the the whole thing, as you say, seemed to be so well organised. And if you enjoyed yourself, yeah. um, it's it's hard enough getting a game and organising the game and keeping ten people happy, but to keep eighty yeah. people happy, amazing. 
Well, we well, I was lucky enough because the other half of the the guard had been painted by David Emery, mm. who I, who I'd never met, but I've you know long admired his work. And, and what a cracking bloke! It was he was a really good bloke, but on top of that, mm. God, what a painter! Yeah, oh, absolutely amazing. You know, Saxon dog, and you see his stuff, you just think. You're an absolute genius, you know. And, yeah, he's uh, he's very very good. He had his own group on Facebook for a while, and um, yeah, lovely lovely stuff. Very very nice. Um, so just to finish this little section off on the big games, then um, we we kind of touched on this that they seem to be going out of fashion, and and people yeah. seem to be moving into the skirmish games, and for for a number of reasons, but. Is there anything that you would say or any advice that you would give to somebody starting out in wargaming um, to put to not to push them towards, but to just kind of shine the light on the bigger game? I mean, I've, I've always been inspired by watching films mm. or television programs and and then thinking I'm going to read a book about it. So, mm. you know, so to me, they don't seem to they don't seem to channel them into um, research. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be some stuffy book. There's some fantastic uh, books out there written by really brilliant people. Uh, Duffy was a great example. Yeah, Colonel Elting was another one, who were really interesting. So I just think that if you could get people just to say, look, uh, read the book, say mm-hmm. what you think, or just yeah. read a chapter and go and watch the film, American Civil War, go and watch, go and watch Glory, or yeah. get this book or whatever, yeah. you know. And it's trying to get them interested in something colourful. So I mean, even Braveheart, which is a you know an abomination as a piece of history, <laughs> but as a, as, as a spectacle, it's fantastic. It's just trying to get them hooked on something. And to be honest, I, I, I used to do a volunteer in a, in a senior school, and the kids they were the, all the troubled debtors of the county mm. were there with huge issues, but they were fan, fascinated by war naturally because they're all yeah. violent. Yeah. But to be honest, me and the teacher, the teacher was excellent at saying, right, we're going to build a tiger tank. But I want you to go away and read about, you know, the war yeah. and around yeah. it. And they come back, sir, sir, uh, the tiger tank was built in 1941, blah, blah, blah. Mm, and, yeah. and the point was, they then say, right, we're going to build a tank and then mm. we're going to play with them. Yes. And we'd have a simple set of rules. And to be honest, you know, even the most villainous child was actually, you know, would be interested for even a short yeah. period of time. It was a great mm. thing. There aren't there aren't enough women in, in war game, and it never has been, you know. Yeah. But it's it's a great idea to if you could get a few more in and just say, mm. would you like to take command of mm. this group here? And you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. No, well, I think I, got the answers. Yeah, I, th- I think it, I, th- I think that there seems to be um, more interest generally across the board in in sci-fi wargaming now, which seems to be where most people cross into historicals rather than via the airfix route that, that we both did. It's less of a problem doing fantasy and, and, and um, science fiction. Mm. You know, do you know what I mean nowadays? Because yeah. if you see a, I'm interested in, in the, the German army of 1941, you're now starting to tr- tread down the path of, well, you're only a Nazi or you, you, you know, you're yeah. looking at things and, and they, they forget the history part and they look at the, you know what I mean? I think some younger people are a bit, little bit wary of, I'm interested in war, where it's mm. easy to say I'm interested in science fiction or I'm interested in games workshop. Yeah. So it's it's more acceptable because I'm only killing something that doesn't exist anyway. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I might be wrong. I might be looking at it too deeply. It might be because mm. they've never built a model in their whole lives. Mm. But my grandson loves building models. 
Yeah. And, and I insist on taking an Airfix model down. And every time he, we build it, yeah. he loves to hear about the history of it. You know what oh, I mean? Fantastic. So fantastic. it's still there. Do you know what I mean? I painted boxes of 54 mil Airfix uh, figures for him. Yeah. You know, and, and, he, and he saw uh, these are one of these, oh, these are medievals. Or how yeah. do you fight with them, granddad? And, yeah. and it's still there. It's just that obviously they don't have the opportunity now, do they? They don't have that avenue of where we, where we used to get airfix models, you know, yeah. or frog models or whatever, and build them. Yeah. And then we thought, well, we've got to play with them. Yeah. I used to set mine alight with lighter fuel. You know, <laughs> like, like, like you fire an air gun at them and shoot holes through them. But it was all, you know what I mean? It was yeah. just part of the thing. Yeah. Can you imagine a child now with lighter fuel? God almighty. <laughs> We we used to we used to make um because I come from a mine there, we used to make um bombs, real <laughs> bombs out of yeah. uh, out of carbide. Carbide we used to be putting yeah. carbide lamps into gas. Yeah, it's it's in a like a, a, a form. And you, yeah. we used to get it from the pits and we'd make it into a bomb. And when you threw it with an ignited, it used to blow up. Yeah, we blow it. Is it like a little up. little like cake-like substance? Yeah. It's yeah, like I don't know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We used to blow it up. <laughs> blow the soldiers up. You know what I mean? Can I imagine that now? <laughs> oh, I'm just going to throw a few bombs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah you'd, yeah, you'd be dragged away, wouldn't you? You know, it, I mean, just the way we were. But the point was that that's gone, isn't the imagination? Yeah. It's all about channeling him into, he's a game on, the, on your screen. Yeah. Go play with that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good way of reducing the really. number of figures, though, isn't it? If you've got too many figures, blow a few up. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I've got a confession to make. My sister used to have a fantastic collection of uh, Britons. Yeah. And I had chopped the heads off every single one with an axe and, and I, <laughs> as a child. And I've never, ever felt more guilty <laughs> about a thing in my life. You know, I just chopped them all, all the heads off. I ex executed them all, you know. Yeah. There's something well, wrong there, isn't there? You know? if, if, the, if, the, if there are any psychologists listening to this who would like to give uh, free counselling to Robbie, then no. contact me. <laughs> Probably a good yeah. idea, mate. Probably a good idea. Probably not. No. <laughs> right, well, so we'll, uh, we'll take another short break and then we'll move on to the quiz. I've got, I've got the answers. Have you got the answers? Right, so... Uh, no, I wish. We, 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 here we go with the Yorkshire Gamer Quiz. And uh, the, the little um, warning beforehand that this is not uh, a right or wrong answer. And uh, it's how war Yorkshire Gamer are you? Um, so... Some answers may some some questions may be controversial and may lead to controversial answers. Um, not that we mean to upset anyone in any way, shape, or form. Honestly, uh, right. So um, these these are um, just yes or no or one or the other answers, um, and it's based around what I think rather than what's actually right. And it's just a little bit of a fun break halfway through uh, through the show. So are you ready to go, mate? I was born ready. Come on then. Born ready. Uh, right. So first yeah. question: Go big or go home? Was that the question? That's that's, that's go a big. yes. Go big. That's what we like to hear. Um, Contrast paints, are they great or are they a gimmick? I love them. You love them? They're not a gimmick. I, I, yeah, I do. I think they're brilliant. Um, when, you, when you're choosing your paintbrush, um, and this, this may have regional bias in the question, uh, when you're choosing your paintbrush, would you go for Windsor & Newton or Yorkshire-made Pro Art? 
I like Windsor and Newton. Um, <laughs> 96, 96 figures. Is that an army or a pipe block? That's a pipe block. It's a pipe no, it's block. two pipe blocks. That you know, yeah. come on. It's 96. Somebody, somebody once said it's a small pipe block, so yeah. Oh, um, six foot, six foot by four foot table. Would you say that was a big or a small game? That's a small game, but it's a nice game. Nice, small game, game. small, small but well proportioned. Yeah, um. A point, would you prefer a points based army or an historical order of battle? Historical order of battle every time. When you're painting your figures, do you like to use a wet palette or an old bit of MDF to mix your paints on? I've got a wet palette. But do you use it? I have. It? Uh, I use a wet yeah. palette. <laughs> All right. I, Brilliant. Do you, do you want to know? How, can I say? Yeah, of course you can. Go on. I was lucky enough. I went to uh, meet a chap called Tony Runke, fantastic painter. He, he was the one who painted for Peter Gilder. Right. Yeah. Anyway, Tony, I, I interviewed Tony. I just want to know about Peter Gilder. And he showed us, you know, I, all I've got is got, I've got, you know, where you put your your grass bits in, you know, plastic yeah. boxes. Yeah. I cut that in half. You fill it with the kitchen toweling. Yeah. You then put a piece of grease proof paper on top. Yeah. And just carefully fill the, 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 the toweling in water. Yeah. And it keeps you paint. It keeps you paint for ages. As long as you keep topping up the paper, yeah. Just so it's just wet. It's a brilliant system. And you can you can use it as a wet palette. You can use the paint wet and it lasts yeah. ages. It's honestly, it's but I use a wet palette or you know, because of that. It just just I like the idea. Yeah. I just thought it was a great it, idea. It's 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 an idea and that's never reached best. it's never reached Yorkshire yet, the, the wet palette idea. Well it won't, will it? I mean, hell's <laughs> teeth. Has the roads reached Yorkshire? No, no. We're still waiting for gas. <laughs> do you know? Do you know something? I worked in Yorkshire for two years. Yeah. You're the most cantankerous people I've ever met in my life. I, <laughs> I thought the jocks were bad, but Jesus Christ! You know, I I nearly got I nearly got into a serious serious attack with a bloke. It was yeah. a police sergeant, and I just yeah. made a joke, and he didn't like it. Yeah. I was just making a joke, and he just really took it to heart. He was very yeah. unpleasant. <laughs> you, oh, you take things to heart. Yeah. We're not, we're not all like that. We tend to <laughs> tend to be tend to be very economical with words. Um, well, not me, obviously, but some. And I will say will say things if you can say it in five words or twenty minutes, they'll do the five words without a shadow of a doubt. And most yeah, of my career, I've, words. Yeah, I've worked up in the, I've worked up in the Yorkshire Dales most of my career, and I've been able to decipher quite complex situations from four or five words and the imitation of how those four or five words have been said it's a very very different place yeah back to the quiz um undercoating undercoating figures are you black or white i'm both both seriously i'll tell you exactly why majority black yeah but if there's uh if the figure's going to be bright i'll put a white undercoat back on it or a cream undercoat very good Another another regionally biased question. Um, you're offered a drink. Do you have Yorkshire tea or dirty mucky coffee? I don't like coffee. I love tea and I love Yorkshire uh, tea. Love brilliant. it. Excellent. Not as good as Rinkton's. Uh, well, yeah. Well, we're getting into nah. the Twinings argument there as well, aren't we? But yeah, very good. Yorkshire tea. Um, I like I like proper tea. Proper tea. Proper. What? With, with, without yeah. a bag? Leaf, leaf tea with the... That's proper posh, that. Yeah. So, next question. You're putting a war game unit together. 
Um, do you like the figures to be tightly packed or socially distanced? Tightly packed. I do like, yeah. It depends on the, it. Oh, it's, a, it's a terrible question, aren't you? <laughs> uh, it depends on where it is. If it's a, if it's yeah. a pipe block, tightly packed. Yeah, tightly packed. That's if what we like if, to see. You know, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't mind, packed. I don't mind, I don't mind um, figures that are far apart from each other when there's an historical reason for it. But with it, with a, <coughs> if, if well, you've got a pipe block and you can ride two cavalry in between the figures, then no, it it's not look, good. It doesn't, it doesn't look no. right to me. So um, <coughs> you've got you've got a you've got a choice of a game. Um, are you going to plump for a two-hour club game or are you going to go for a weekend monster game? Well, the weekend monster game, the absolutely monster game every time. Lovely. Um, this is uh, a question in honour of uh, Nick Skinner from the Two Fat Lardies. Um, Avocado, mm. is it just posh mushy peas? I've never eaten it. <laughs> You've never eaten it. I've never eaten it. I it's don't want to eat it. Has it not reached your region of the country yet? Well, I could say it's really bad for the environment, but the reality is it it looks like dog sick, and I don't want to eat it. Right? No, no, right. I'll <laughs> put I'll put you in my anti-avocado camp there. <laughs> but I love, but I love mushy peas. Yes, with sure. vinegar. Mushy. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Or mint yeah. sauce. We have them with Love mint them. sauce in, in Yorkshire. Yeah, that's lovely as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, question choice. 13. Question 13. Round dice. Um, are they allowed or banned on your table? I'm, I'm, I'm a, a traditionalist. Traditional. Nice Round. cube. Uh, another honorary question here, a, a new question, and this is uh, uh, from David Marshall from TM Terrain. Um, and you, oh, you're, yes. going down, you're going down the chippy. Um, are you having haddock or cod? Haddock. 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 Cod's a dirty fish. <laughs> no, it is. I, 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 was, I was told that by the Grimsby War Gamers that they won't eat cod because it's dirty. Ah, so, well, they know the fish at Grimsby, won't they? I, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't quite realise when, when David suggested this as a question how controversial it was going to be. Well, I didn't either. It's, <clears throat> but apparently cod, cod eats off the... Off the, the you know, the bottom of the, the sea, ah, Haddock eat. Right. Personally, I, I like them both, but I, I like Haddock the best, almost. Um, do you enjoy um, a good table in a set of rules? And by that, I mean like a casualty table where you have number of figures and dice rolled. Do you, do you like that or do you like the modern sets who are just throw the dice and kill? I like the modern sets, to be honest. Do you like the modern sets? You know, I, I, I'm a bit of a trendsetter, really, I think. <laughs> As, my, as the flares testify, I'm cutting well, edge. I, well, everything you wear comes back into fashion eventually, doesn't it? Is, is what they say. Thanks very much. <laughs> I'm hearing, I'm me, old Brad- I'm me, hearing me old pants on. Yeah, I'm hearing me old Bradford City top, so I can't say anything. Um, 28 mil figures, 28 mil is king, yes or no? I suppose yes, no. Yeah. Um, we've briefly covered this, and I think I know what the answer is going to be. Unpainted miniatures allowed on the table, yes or no? No. No. Never. No. Um, big question here. Um, Bradford City or Leeds United? Bradford City. Um, so we're up to question 19, <laughs> just two to go. Um, and another either or, and this is uh, Yorkshire or the other place over the hill? I think Yorkshire. Oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to, I'm not running up your bottom. I, I just like, I like Yorkshire. You know, I, I do like it, especially North Yorkshire. Yeah, perfect place, perfect yeah. place. Yeah. And finally, um, Games Workshop, are they the work of the devil? No, I, I don't think they are. I think 
some of the stuff they do is fabulous, you know. Yeah. And, and well, very, 70, 75% is the result, which is very reasonable. Very reasonable indeed. And, and not too much Thank controversy you. in the answer. <laughs> so, I, I, can, so, I can throw some controversy if you want. Oh, well, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll chuck a bit in the, in the last section. So we'll just take another quick break and then we'll be back for our main topic. So uh, for, the, for the last section here, we're going to have a chat about a man who's inspired many and uh, he was a leading light in the early years of the hobby. And uh, Robbie's put together a lovely website entitled Peter Gilder, A Life in Wargaming, uh, to record the history and some of the memories of Peter. I'm sure most people on here would know, Robbie, who Peter was. Um, but just in your own words, kind of describe him as a person? Well, to be honest, that's why I, I did the blog about Peter Gilder, yeah. because you'd be surprised how many people don't know. And that was the first issue. But to me, Gilder, through his, I mean, through his figures, which were then photographed and put in the first magazines, the Minshew Wargames yeah. magazines, that I think inspired hundreds, if not thousands of people there. You know, to take a war game, and because when you yeah. saw the the stuff, you just thought this is amazing. Even if you didn't like soldiers, yeah. the the images were, were were phenomenal. But on top of that, of course, you know, he, he was also promoting it all the time. He was very he was very vocal in in doing the big big shows and and going down to the famous Waterloo battles that he. he, he and then of course we had Battleground, which was uh, I don't know if you had it in your area. Yes, yeah, the the the, the six, was it six part, I think it was five part. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, six part. You know, and when that came out, I mean, that was just amazing. Mm. You know, looking back, I mean, I watched them now, and and you're thinking oh, they're a little bit stiff. But the point was, at the time, you just thought it was fantastic. I mean, so Gilda, not only did he make figures, he could paint figures, and he knew how to actually put them out there as, as a spectacle really mm. so so people wanted to be part of it really you know yeah. and then of course you know you move on and and once he died he was you know he, it's very easy to be forgotten mm. you know unless somebody like leaves something as a, as a reminder if you don't have the magazines or you haven't read uh, you know any of the books where his figures are in mm. you, you're not going to know who he is it's a worry sometimes that that people like that are forgotten you know because he, he he was an innovator in a lot of respect so was that the drive behind jo- getting the website started then was it to kind of well uh, i'll tell you what, i'll tell you, too, I'll tell you what it was i'll tell you what what, what the driving factor was i i, I went to see I, I interviewed charlie wesencraft mm. and when i packed in work i wanted to to be able to talk to charlie wesencraft about the early war games put them on my blog. And when we got talking, and it was, I tell you what, he's a fantastic guy. When yeah. we got talking, he mentioned Gilder because, and it was to do with Battleground. And what happened was, it wasn't, Peter Gilder wasn't the driving force. Hmm. It was Charlie Wesencraft. And Charlie Wesencraft was, uh, he was known then as a bit of a historian, even though he worked he worked in uh, the council. And he was approached to, to put on, to create this idea of a television program. But he, Charlie didn't want to do the presentation yeah so peter gilder so he rang peter gilder gilder said yeah i'll do it i'll go on television and i'll you know yeah. get the figures blah blah blah. except when they went when they went for the uh you know you do like a tv uh test you know see yeah. anyway gilder was so so stressed he fainted fainted <laughs> over the table right and then slid down the table and i thought you know this is brilliant because he was always a very super confident man the way you know you really went on but anyway i thought you know, and then when Char- you know, I was talking to Chase, so I, you know, he was great. The figures yeah. were great. I thought, yeah. 
somebody somewhere should have a record of just what he was about, you know. Mm. So I just wanted to do it. I just, you know, and, and I love his figures, just love mm. them. So I wanted, to, I wanted to do it. Although I've never met him, I never met him, yeah. which is a real shame. It's a real pity that. But there you go. So he's he. Uh, you've covered a lot of the things there that he that he's known that I know him for, and and people who are, yeah. have got an interest in the in the the hobby. Um, he, he was a designer of figures as well, as well, wasn't he? He would make figures. Right. Well, this is the thing, right? <laughs> I mean, when when I started digging and asking some of the people that, that yeah. uh, you know, Peter Gilder was one of these people, clearly, who was a really generous soul. But he had another side to him, right? Like, <laughs> and he was a bit of a jackal lad. Yeah. And I, I had to check up on this. And what it was, um, do you know how he started Wargaming? No, I don't, I just, I was, it was in the 60s. That's all I know. And I don't know much more than that. In the 60s. God. Anyway, what happened was he, um, <laughs> he, he used to re- he, he was he, he used to fly airplanes, right? Right. Yeah. And then and then he went and then he went to become a, he worked in a, I think it was BAE. But yeah. he, he used to he used to fly airplanes, but he was a bit of a bit of a daredevil. And on, he had a motorcycle and he broke his leg. Right. And while he was in hospital recovering, uh, he ended up um making kits right and he realized he's quite good at it so when he come out he just he just started messing around making mm. things and then from there he he, he started making uh, soldered pieces together and made figures yeah yeah the trouble was peter gilder was was a great great man for plagiarizing <laughs> other figures at that time right yeah and what happened was he was uh, warned off by uh marcus hinton because yeah, basically he was so, copying yeah. Marcus Hinton figures, if not casting them, you know what I mean? And uh, But he was excellent. I mean, I, I've talked yeah. to um, some great people. Phil Robinson was one who yeah. I talked to, who was, who was a great painter, a great war gamer. Yeah. And Ian Smith, who's yeah. he'll be a uh, partisan with his stuff. He would just sew the stuff together and make a figure, you know. And, yeah. and it was in the time when there wasn't a lot, you know, the, you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff around that you could make stuff with. And he could make a figure. And when he they had life about them, so it was fantastic, you know. And when he started mm. to, to work for Hinchcliffe finally, because originally he, he was contracted to work with minifigs, uh, him and Neville Dickinson got together. The idea was they'd cast figures, Gilda would paint them and they would sell them. Yeah. But the partnership didn't last more than a few weeks. They fell mm. out. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what about, but they fell out and Gilda went his own way. Yeah. But it, but he was already making a reputation. And I got it done, I had to check. In 1965, he organized the Big Waterloo Festival. Yeah. And it was his figures on this table that he made that, yeah. that they fought over. You know, and it, it, it had been, I mean, in the 60s, he used to have sand tables. Yeah. Or you had a flat table or dinner table and you had yeah. bits of stuff on. It was awful. And then Gilda came along with his wonderful terrain. Yeah. And people thought, this is fantastic. You know, he was just great. You know, so he was he was he was a really talented man, but at the same time he was a bit of a jackal lad. And he right? could nick nick bits and pieces off other people. Well, I mean, the, the big thing was he went to prison. He went to prison, and there's been all sorts of rumors about it. And I've still never got the complete story. But yeah. he went to prison. He, he, he was it was to do with in the sixties and early seventies. If you went into a cafe, there'd be a place where you had hot pies, right? In a display. Yeah. And he worked for a company that. Made these made these hot pie yeah. presentation yeah. or something like that. Anyway, a long story short, 
there was yeah. a fraud or something like that. Yeah. And Peter Gilder ended up in prison. Oh, right. I never knew that. And all I know, all I know for certain is that Bill Lamon, who used to have uh, Lamon yeah, miniatures, miniatures was, yeah. he was a really nice man. He was an ex-placeman. Ah, uh, right. Would yeah. have very straight. Would have nothing to do with Gilder <laughs> at all. Wouldn't yeah. speak to him. Didn't have anything to do with him. But I think Bill was very old school regarding the police and what a thief's always a thief. You know? Yeah. There's not de- yeah. there wasn't degrees of thiefdom. Yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> but I've got a really old book, uh, which is a history of uh, mil- uh, collecting mil- uh, toy soldiers. Yeah. Uh, from na- from 1971, and it's mm. all the big collectors of the world, and we're yeah. talking judges and and yeah. and at the back, Peter Gilder is is going to mention a, a whole page, and yeah. apparently he had a he had a three thousand figure collection of studdens. Right wow. in 1971. Yeah. Now he only he only discovered war game in 1965. Yeah. So that's how keen he was. Three thousand figures, these yeah. Stadden figures, which were you know. I would like to know how many were real Staddens, but because I, I would imagine <laughs> Peter would have just cast a few. So, uh, I can remember, I can remember D.F. Thomas uh, giving us a, a load of figures, these one-offs, and uh, they were like, um, yeah, they were for me uh, Renaissance collection at the time. Yeah. These beautiful. Villages and such as that. Yeah. And he says, Oh, Peter's just cast these up. And I saw oh, these amazing. Hmm. They were from Games Workshop. Right? <laughs> he just took, it just took them, <laughs> jigged them about a bit, but they were fantastic. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, I didn't buy them. He didn't sell us them. He, he just yeah. pirated them. You know, he was giving them away as a gift. Yeah. So, so there was no pirating, but uh, yeah. it's just, yeah, it was just the way he was. But, I spoke yeah, to, was, I, spoke, I spoke to Pete Morby from Elite Miniatures. Um, a few All episodes right. ago, and he and he has he has fond memories of of sitting and watching Peter putting figures together and and learning from him. Um, and I think I'd, yeah. I think reading through the blog, there was a few sort of um, memories from other people about him having like little painting workshops and and passing stuff on to people. Well, I, when I went to see Tony Runke, it was a great bloke, and mm. uh, Tony Tony's a wonderful painter, wonderful painter. Mm. In the miniature war games, in the early ones, there's a photograph on the front of a red Indian yeah. or Native yeah. American, as we now yes, call it. Yes, yep, yep, yep. With a war bonnet on. Remember it well. Well, that that, that figure, that's a Tony Runkey figure. And he, I says, well, how did you do the feathers? Oh, Peter showed me how to do them with a lead mm. solder and iron. It's just it's just an amazing piece of work. And I, I can still remember it now. And he says, you know, and I met Peter, and he says, why don't you come back to my house and I'll show you some of the stuff we've got. And he says, after that, he says, I was hooked. Yeah. Except, of course, that meant working for Peter. So he helped build the terrain, mm. and then he started painting for him. And and you yeah. you realize how many thousands of figures that were painted by people he he, he knew, mm. you know, like the like of Mark Allen, yeah, and uh, Phil Robinson and, and Tony Runke. I've got a list of them actually. And you look at them. I mean, uh, Dave Thomas painted for him. You know, yeah. Ian Smith painted for him, and in yeah. exchange for. Castings, you know, and some talented people, but I, I, I can't remember his name. But I, I met a guy at uh, Partisan, and we got talking about Peter Gilder. And Peter Gilder was doing a, a Waterloo in in Paris. He was yeah. taking the, the model across, and he was short of some figures. And this guy said, said "Well, Peter said, can I borrow your your Prussians?" Yeah. He says, "Oh yeah, no problem." And he says, "I had this beautiful Hinton Hunt Prussian army." He says, "So Peter took it across." He said, uh, "Next thing I know." Peter sold it and it's in America, right? <laughs> and he said, I went the same. He says, Peter, you've sold me Prussian army. 
He says, oh, I thought it was mine. He's so sorry. And he, and he says, we had a bit of a laugh about it. Like, and I said, oh, so well, what can you do? He says, you know, the guy was charming. He, he said, well, I, I'll, I'll get you another one. You know, yeah. and he just sold the, the army, you know, it just, and that's, you know, when I get the impression you couldn't not like him, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's that type of person. And, yeah. Um, I should have gone. John, John, the lad I uh, worked with, uh, walking with, he he went to the, the Gilda when it first opened, <clears throat> and I couldn't afford to go. And he said it was a brilliant week. You know, they had yeah. an absolutely brilliant week, and you, you saw all the stuff and how he painted them, and that's how <clears throat> I learned. To, you know, I don't know if you've ever done it, the wiping oil paint for horses. Uh, yeah, that's that's how I do my horses, and have done forever. When he when John showed us how he's seen them do it, you're yeah. just thinking this is amazing. You know, the yeah. oil paints and the undercoats and the soft. Yeah. And I thought, this is fantastic. And the effect is so beautiful mm. when it's done right. You're just thinking, you know, the guy was, and he just would think of simple solutions yeah. to, you know, and quick, so damn quick, wasn't yeah. it? You know, you just think, yeah, he was, uh, and, he was and, clever. He yeah. was a really clever I, I, I did a, like a tutorial video for YouTube on, um, on doing horses in oils. And and I couldn't believe yeah. the number of people who had never seen it as a as a method, and then a, num- a load oh. of people go, "Oh, this is fantastic, Ken! When did you come up with this?" And it was like, "Well, I didn't. Yeah. It's, been, it's been around for forty odd years." When I, I got that, when I first subscribed to Mildred Modeling in 1972, and he had these black and white photographs, and I used to try and see, and it was Gilda's terrain for Waterloo, yeah. you know, and he could only see it in black and white. And when I finally saw them in colour, I just thought. This is amazing. How is he? And he used to he used to do rosy cheeks, which are no way out of fashion. Yeah. But I like it on figures. And I thought, this looks brilliant. You know what I mean? And then he, when he when he put eyes in them, I thought, oh, you know, I've got to put eyes in them. And I thought, I don't <laughs> another know. level. Then you finally realize you'll never see eyes, you know. Yeah. And, and of course, he used to wipe off the, the to shade them, he used to wipe the colours off the arms of the figures. And yeah, it was just a it was just a brilliant, brilliant way to paint and so clever. Yeah. And then you realise actually Tony Runke showed up to do that, which, uh, <laughs> you know, and the other guys. But but to be fair, you know, they they'll obviously learn off each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. you can't you can't detract from. But the the beauty with Peter Gilder was, he he showed hundreds of people and probably thousands. Yeah. This is how he should walk in. Yeah. You know, big lovely terrain, lovely units, and lots of colour. You know, and movement. Yeah. You know that yeah. and it's fantastic. I was going to say, you're not fine now with it. You know, you see all these beautiful figures painted in the magazines. Hmm. It's all a little bit too clinical and a little bit too clean. And, and, and yeah, there's, all... um, yeah, there's, there's, um, and I had this discussion, this very discussion actually with Pete, Pete Morby when I went to see him because Pete's stuff, yeah. um, you look at his, his units and they look like the moving. Uh, and they have a presence yeah. about them, and they have. Um, it sounds daft, but they have motion. It looks like they're moving. Yeah. And when I and when I spoke to Pete about how he designs his figures and how he makes stuff, he he said that he sees the unit in his mind, like it's a an oil painting or or whatever. Yeah. And he he designs those figures to fit that. And and Peter's stuff had that, didn't it? It had that. Yeah grit and that real life to it rather than you know a collection of perfectly painted I mean, <laughs> well, one of the one of the one of the one of the criticisms of gilders hinchliffs and, and connoisseur was sometimes the arms were too long and they, they probably were but the point was when you you put them on mass yeah 
you didn't see that. What you saw was a unit of bedraggled soldiers marching yeah. across a field. They looked fantastic. And I'm not decrying modern figures because they're, they're mm. fantastic. Sliding off painters because they're fantastic. Mm. But I don't know, it's different. It's a different it's type a different of thing, look, isn't it? isn't it? It's a different... You know? and, I, and I think, I think uh, probably going back to something we talked about earlier on, a lot of things now are geared towards those smaller units, those smaller games where you may be not trying to get, you know, a 48-figure Austrian battalion to look right. You're trying to get four or five figures to look right in a tightly sort of cropped photograph. goes without saying um, that he was the the start of the War Games Holiday Centre. And I think it was Thornton Ladale up in North Yorkshire where the original one was. It was indeed. To be honest, I mean, I can remember when... when, um when it was announced and I, I just thought this is a fantastic idea. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I couldn't afford it at the time and it wasn't that much really, but I mean, what a great idea, you know, to, mm. to use hundreds and thousands of soldiers on this beautiful terrain and just play war games and, and meet other war gamers. You know, it, it was a, a, what a, a great idea. Yeah. And, and I, I think on your, on your, on your website, you've got the original brochure. Uh, from the War Games Holiday Centre. <laughs> what a crack! What a cracking! I've bit got of, the original <laughs> memorabilia. That is, I had a giggle when I saw yeah. that. I, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, plus, I had the original interview with uh, John North, the reporter from the Northern Echo. Yes, who, yeah, <clears> I saw that. Yeah, and and it, and it was typical of the times. They just take the Mickey out of you know War Games. You know, they would just as they did used to make a joke of it. Well, they still do, I would imagine. I would imagine Gilda would have been very professional about it. I don't think he'd have suffered fools at all. Yeah. But I tell you what, you know, I've been lucky enough. I've been I've been twice to the one at Yorkshire, North mm. Yorkshire, and and then I've been to the the later one down in Leicestershire, and uh, they're just great. You know, it's just mm. a great it's a great way to spend a weekend. I hate the rules, but I, I love the, <laughs> the whole experience. Of the, well, is that the is that the grandmother? It was. Pe- and it's not, you know, it's not the fault of the, of the, of the players. It's just, I, I never got into this idea of, you know, piling hundreds of figures into a battle and mm. throwing loads of dice like that. It just really it threw us. But to be honest, I, I was quite happy just to pick the figures up and look at them and then push them across the table. I just loved the whole, to, to see the figures, uh, like, like the famous one, the, the Zastro uh, Saxons, Zastro yeah. Krasius, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it was the first thing you'd run and get. Yeah. Or the or the young guard that the famous young guard that he, he yeah. painted. I had to have them as well. It, just, it was it was brilliant. You just look at the figures and you think, and these are these are amazing. It's it's just a great experience. Have you been? Well, um I I went in a slightly different capacity. I used to paint for them. Um when Jerry <laughs> when Jerry was in charge. Um Jerry Elliott, uh, yeah. Jerry Elliott, yeah. So I yeah, and, and my, Jerry and Mike were up there. It was Jerry I mostly dealt with. Um, so my my experience was going there and going through that door. It flocked in the second the second place. I never went to the first one, but going through there and I think and a lot of people have agreed with me that experience of opening that door for the first time and seeing those tables laid out. Um, with all the figures on, because I'd normally turn up halfway through a game rather than, you know, when you just had the blinds down for the start of the game. That's got to affect the way that you game going forward, I think. And I think the generation of big gamers 
uh, most of them will have walked through that door and gone, bloody hell, I want to do that. You know, you get all these people who are doing these uh, small games. If you could just get them just to go and just even just stand and look yeah. at the, the the spectacle, it doesn't have to be, you know, your period that you're looking at, but the spectacle is fantastic. You know, mm. and when he first did it, there was nothing like it. There's been nothing like it. It was just amazing. A, a real innovator in a lot of respects. And then, of course, when he got together with... Um, Poor Duncan McFarlane and, and, and roped them into producing a magazine. I mean, yeah. what a brilliant idea, you know. Mm. The sad thing is, you know, Duncan promised me he would, he would sit down and tell us the full story because there was a, a real story behind how that magazine came about. And because the guy who was behind it, I think I, I'm not probably not running him down if he, by describing him as a very dodge pot. <laughs> and uh, and, Gil, and Gil, Gilda was the War Games brains. Yeah, and then uh, this ma- this man was the money first issue. You're just thinking, Christ, this is fantastic! What yeah. a magazine! And when you read the articles, you thought these brilliant articles, yeah. absolutely brilliant. But every month there'd be these photographs from Peter Gilder's uh, collection. You're just thinking, this is I've got to have these. Yeah, I've got to do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and of course, obviously that's gone now because a, a lot of young people don't don't even read magazines do they they don't you know so it's on the internet or whatever but but at the time it was just a fantastic experience and i wouldn't like to think how it pushed on the hobby it must have really increased the the, the membership well that, those, those those magazines was it 83 84 when they came out yeah first yeah. ones and i i i do, i was already gaming then um but I remember the impact that certainly, I think it was the second edition that had the, the first one had some French cuirass or on the front of them. I think it was the second one that had the Italian gendarmes, Italian world gendarmes on the front. Oh. And that, that picture set me off. And here, here I am 40 years later, still painting Italian walls. I know. I mean, when, when Gilda made the, um, I don't know if you remember a later one. There was one where there was some galleys and there was the Italian palazzo and all this. Yes, yeah. And you yeah. got all these. And I just thought, I thought, I looked at that. I just thought, this is just absolutely amazing, amazing mm. stuff. You know, and, and when you realise that he, he, what he'd done is he chopped the heads around on, and put on uh, Vulcan heads, which uh, figures from Scotland yeah. at the time, uh, and then st- started sticking on bits of Barden under these uh, basic mm. horses. It was just amazing. He did a later one. I don't know if you, there was a one where um, they had King Louis under a, a shade. He was under, a, he was in full, full regalia, uh, mm. down regalia. And there was a, a, a like a, a, a big shade built over the top of him to keep him out mm. of the sun. And that was just like, I just thought it was, what a, what a brilliant idea. Mm. You know, but I, I don't know if you remember, there was a one where, um, with the, uh, the, the kettle drummer, the yes, yes, yeah. kettle drummer. Yeah, everyone I mean, wanted a kettle drummer. Oh, you know, they were a work of art, you know, and you, I just wanted to be able to have figures like that. I never yeah. could have, could attain that level, but it was just what an aspiration I've got, you know. I, I think it definitely increased the standard of war games figures, war games figure painting and war games terrain, especially. Because I think that I seem to remember from my early days that figures you know, were as painted as well as you could paint them, but your train was kind of an afterthought. And it was only when you saw, when I saw those pictures in those magazines that I went, I really need to up my game on terrain. I can remember going to uh, war game shows and 
you'd walk in and it, it'd have a bit of a fusty smell anyway. But then on top of that, all you'd have <laughs> is a cloth. You'd have yes. a cloth across a piece of table and a, and a few murid uh, trees, mm. if if lucky. Otherwise, it'd be plasticine and a bit of stuff stuck in it, plasticine. Yeah. And then there'd be a few figures. And it, it, it just didn't, it didn't inspire and of course, after Gilda, everybody's thinking we've really got to try harder. Yeah. And um, John and I got to mention, <laughs> I'm drop, dropping down number six of the miniature war games because we put on our very first game at a, a short Whitley Bay and, and we I'd made a terrain, 28 mil uh, Spanish terrain, and it got a mention for being really well made. And 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 that sort of thought sort of spurs you on again, you know. To be honest, looking back on it, it was awful. But at the time, it was better than anything that was in the in the room. So, you know, and you're trying harder after that. Yeah. But I could yeah. never, ever deal with the bases that Peter Gilder made. I've never worked that out, how he did them. Couldn't do it. Is with it? The, just couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, because they're not, they're not flocked, are they? The more they sculpted. Oh, he used, um, he used Tetrian. And he yeah. used uh, sawdust, and uh, but it was the way he painted them as well. And I just, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, there's a, a lad called Jerry Miller who was a great. Yeah, lad, I know. Jerry, yeah, yeah. Well, but he was he 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 spent a lot of time with Peter Gilder, and Peter Gilder must have shown him properly how to do it. But uh, it's I just can't do it. I, I, it's it's <laughs> an amazing. I love I love the bases. Yeah. So what what we used to do? We used to use Das Pronto. You ever used it? No, yeah, I've it's, seen, uh, I've seen it. I don't think I've ever got further than buying some. I don't. <laughs> well, to be honest, it, it's all right, but it's it's not the same. And yeah. uh, it was the nearest we could get to it. I just couldn't do it. But uh, what a man! So clever for thinking of ways to do things and making them making them work. You know. Yeah, it's a lot of, impro- lot, of imp- t- lot of improvisation, wasn't there in those days? Because there wasn't. I tell you, you what, go and buy a dry brushing brush. You, oh, um, you, yeah, no. everything, everything was from somewhere else or had another purpose and was repurposed for gaming. I tell you, I, I tell you one thing. I, I was always envious of the fact that he would he would use needles uh, and pins for his swords. Yes, and, and, and his bayonets. <laughs> you know, and and I thought this is this is really clever. But, I mean, they hurt you when you pick them up. But the point was, they didn't break. You know, you, yeah. the swords. You know, and when I did my English Civil War armies, I was lucky enough to get all of a lad who who was prepared to do some of the, the cavalry with with the the pins. Yeah, and and they're great. You know, they're absolutely brilliant. But I I just couldn't I couldn't do it. I just hadn't the skill to work with a, a sword and iron. They certainly they certainly um, they certainly stop people clumping your figures and picking them up in bunches by having. Um, Pins oh. swords. <laughs> I've well, seen a I few mean, injuries thing, as a you know, result. Oh god, I. You know, it's another thing. You know, when, when you think about, you know, you're all these strangers going to pick your figures up at uh, uh, the War Games Hoyler Centre. You know what? Yeah. He, he wasn't bothered. You know, it was part of the thing. As long as you didn't break them by throwing them about, but yeah. he, he he just was quite happy for you to use them. Mm. And and you know and and some of the scenarios clearly he, he set up were, were were really clever and the pony wars which I'd love to have played they yeah. were such a great idea although it wasn't his idea you know he he took it from um, oh, Paul had died you know he did a thing with the Sedan yes and he used he used the ideas from uh, from a series of uh, pony wars and the cowboys it's really yeah. clever very clever. Yeah, well, the, the the Pony Wars has, has um, had a new lease of life. It's um, been re-released, I believe. From uh, I'm not sure whether Pete Berry from Bacchus is involved, but I've I've seen the the rules are out again with you know with the cards and everything. There's a lad um, 
a young man in, well, I'm saying he's young, younger than me, uh, in, in <laughs> New Zealand, and he's actually produced a set of rules mm. pieced together from the old Peter Gilday notes and uh, yeah. for the Sudan period. And, it, you know, they look brilliant. Yeah. Some of them I've never, I've never walked in with, but, I, you know, I just, I just like the idea of a generated set of natives coming across a hill from mm. nowhere. And, you know, it's just clever, very clever. Yeah, because it, it's, it's strange. That it's strange that they didn't get published um, originally, isn't it? Because I don't. Uh, obviously, the grand manner the Napoleonic rules came out, um, and friends of mine, um, Richard Harris, who's got a war game centre in, in in just outside Bradford, um, is has got some some ACW rules that I think came from the centre originally, but I, I never remember those being published. And I don't remember the Sudan stuff being published either. Well, to be honest, I, I don't think, I don't think he would have been able to, because Peter will have took them, I might be wrong else. here, but somewhere else. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I, I, can't, I can't, I mean, I, listen, I've never met the lad, but I just imagine that, you know, like all war gamers, real writers, they take an idea from somewhere else, you know, and, yeah. and, Maybe he was a bit wary of that, but it kind of followed the rules. But I hated the the grand manor rules. I just couldn't, I couldn't get my head around all the dice rolling. It was just so hard. Yeah. But it was it was still a great experience. A great experience to go there. <laughs> You've been down to the new holiday centre then with Mark Freeth. I have a yeah. What a really nice guy. Yeah. He is. He's, I was he's, enough, he's, um, he's been on the show before as well. He's absolute gent. I was lucky enough to go there to um. Uh, Dave Brown just retired from the place, I think. Yeah, he yeah. Uh, he was he was doing yeah he was doing a showcase of his Grand Army rules. I, I invited myself down to that one, and that was <laughs> that was a great. I don't get many invites. I've got to sort of force me away in, but um, yeah, it was it was a brilliant weekend, and and Dave Brown was was really good fun, hmm. you know, and a good sport because I, I absolutely butchered him. I really did take the mickey out of him, but uh, it was a it was a cracking weekend. It was a well, he's a met. He's a met police officer. You've got to. You've got to really go into them, haven't you? you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, um, but what a great! It was a great place. A great, great place to yeah. go. It was a long drive for me, but it was excellent. It really mm. was excellent. That's it's it's how you should walk here. I mean, you know, you get a few people together, and, and there's a big game, and yeah, you have a bit of a laugh about it. Really, in some respects, you know. Yeah. I think I think that the social side of the big game. Um, and it definitely highlighted at the War Games Holiday Centre because you kind of chucked in with a load of people you don't necessarily know, but all with a common interest. And, and nine times out of ten, with a couple of pints of a golden ale, it turns into a good laugh and a good night out. It does. I mean, I I, I missed. I couldn't go to the Donald Featherston uh, Memorial Weekend, the last one we had, but I'd love to go again just because it was a great experience and. Um, you know, and Henry Hyde comes in there, he does his bit. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, just a, it's just a good weekend in its own right. And it's obviously a raise money for charity. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, mean, I never met Featherston, but, I, you know, you, you feel like I've got all these books and I've read all these yeah. books and you got all these articles and, and I've finally collected all these magazines. So mm. it took us a long time. But uh, what a bloke. I, I wouldn't even like to think what he'd make a modern war game, and I really wouldn't. <laughs> you know, it would be interesting to have their opinion, wouldn't it? Well, I, he'd certainly give you his opinion because he was a, <laughs> a very, very straight-talking man, which is great, you know? Yeah. But I was I, I was lucky enough to trace some of the, uh, the first magazines, war games magazines, um, that Jack Scrooby wrote mm. from America. 
and Peter Gilder uh, was one of the first. I think there was, I can't remember whether it was 28 or 38 members in the whole world in 1958, yeah. war games. And they all subscribed to this magazine and they all put articles in it. And it, mm. when you read them, you just think, well, this is this is amazing. You know, you just think from that little start, what it became, it was just brilliant, you know. Where, where, was Peter, where was Peter from originally? Was he from Lancashire? I, I oh, nice try. <laughs> uh. I, I could tell you that, Adam. I think he was from Norwich, where actually. Ah, was he? Well, I may be wrong there. Yeah, he certainly wasn't from Yorkshire. Yeah, no, I, I know he wasn't. I know he wasn't. It's, it's just I was I was speaking to Simon Hall, who's written a, a few sets of rules, and and Simon remembers Peter coming to the War Games Club he went to in Burnley. Um, so obviously he then moved to Flock uh, to Thornton Ladale in in North Yorkshire for the for the first War Games holiday centre. Well, so I was just wondering where he was from originally. Well, he set up. No, he set up. He helped set up the the whole War Games group, and. Um, and to be honest, I mean, there's some real, you know, war game giants in, in that group. There was a, a guy called, uh, I think it was Harry Harrison, who, who had some fantastic stuff in the magazine, Minchewagon. Mm. Uh, Peter Gilder was from over that way. I think it's because, obviously, because of his job. Yeah. He was all based over that way. And, uh, yeah. and then, obviously, he moved up to North Yorkshire. And what a great place to have a have a place to go to, you know, in the, in the middle of nowhere. Virtually. <laughs> 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 Yeah, Henry Hyde. Henry Hyde didn't describe it as the bleak Yorkshire Moors, and I had to, uh, I had to correct that statement. Oh no! To be honest, that that's the nicest bit. I can remember we used to have to stay in uh, this this hotel in Scarborough. God, it was uh, it was basic. Yeah, so it was a- Sc- Scarborough's an interesting <laughs> place. When 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 the when the when the lights go down and the tourists leave, it's um it's an entirely different world. Well, I, I went to Scarborough in, in, in November to, to the Holiday Centre. And, and uh, I remember going out for a drink in this pub, mm. and I've never seen anything like it. Well, I have actually, but <laughs> the, the, the mutants that were in there, it was just, they should have been, they were like Games Workshop people, but yeah. uh, they were interesting. It was a good laugh, but God almighty, it was rough. Yeah, it was, it was, it was part of the weekend. You've got to enjoy yeah. the whole weekend, you know, yeah. why not? Exactly. Yeah, uh, okay. So go go on um, on on your on your website. Uh, you've got a video, haven't you, from um, the War Games Holiday Centre at, at the time, um, which is quite interesting to watch. That was, um, I, th- I think, that was sent by uh, either was it Guy Barlow or no, no, Guy Barlow was the young man who um, who had a had loads of photographs. Tony, Tony. There was a guy called Tony Kitchen. He sent yeah. it, you know, and you, you look at it and you, you cringe at some of the, the fashions and the jumpers. But it was, <laughs> you know, it's just a great experience, you know. Yeah. You know, everybody who ever went to that, that war game centre had good things to say about it, you know, everybody, yeah. you know. So that's a great in, indictment in its own right, really, yeah. isn't it? You know, and, and you're apparently, when Gilda ran it, you were allowed to go into his, his special room where all the, the figures were and, yeah, you know, scratch, you know, go through all the stuff, and then go go to his library where he had all these amazing books, and and of course he had the the battleground uh, videos to watch, yeah. which was you know class. But um, I must admit he was he was if you ever watched those and you watch him playing John Braithwaite, he used to have Garrison miniatures. 
He yeah. absolutely sledges him mercilessly, absolutely <laughs> tortures him. You know, him, what an what an awful person a war game against. But he yeah. sledges him something wicked. You know, you know, God, but just brilliant, just great, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Because it's it, it was an interesting but, uh, concept yeah. to put war gaming on television, wasn't it? Because it's um it's not exactly <laughs> a spectator sport at the end of the day. No, and and to be honest, I can remember having to stop up to watch it at the time and. Uh, but I, I, I was fascinated by it. Yeah. And, uh, but it isn't. It isn't. And, I, you know, I mean, I know they tried be, to make it interesting since then. You know, we had Angela Rippon at one stage, didn't we? And didn't, oh, didn't we have um, Arthur Harmon as well at one stage? That didn't go, that didn't work either. Yeah, because um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I I mean, think the, only, the only one that really went mainstream was Time Commanders, but that was kind of, that was all computer generated rather than figures. But I, I remember well, at the well, time I actually watching, tried to get, watching Battleground and thinking, yeah. somebody else is doing what I do. And just, and I don't think I paid yeah. any attention whatsoever to what was going on in, in the programme. Uh, yeah. I was just gobsmacked that somebody else was wargaming and then only now when you look back on it and you think oh this is a bit ropey but i think if you watched anything from that time it would now be <laughs> reruns well, of the sweeney and stuff yeah, like that i'll base my career on the sweeney there's nothing wrong with them i tell you <laughs> but um i just to be honest I, I still like to watch it I, I like to watch it just to look at the look at the figures yeah, sad or that I am, and and um, wasn't the Battle of Trafalgar on as well? I was at the Battle of the Nile, but either way, it was just a brilliant. Yeah. You know, the, the ships and everything was just great, and you know, uh, Edge Hill was fantastic. But that, it's not, that, it's not that, a spectator thing. Yeah, does that have the bounce? The famous bounce stick was that at, at Edge Hill? <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with the bounce stick, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, I've I've had all these. I've had the uh, the canister corn and the bounce stick and all that. And I, it, yeah. I used to love all them and uh, the shrapnel round thing. You know, that was great. Yeah. But, uh, but the, I, bounce, I the, the bounce stick the, was the bounce stick was something different, though, wasn't it? You needed at least a, a, an A or a B grade in O level woodwork to be able to make one of those. They weren't available <laughs> readily from your game store. It nearly put people's eyes out, actually. But I tell you the <laughs> truth, the the one I, the one I. I've never forgot, and, and you won't know about it, but uh, Derek Sharman, who I've mentioned briefly yeah. who at the War Games Den, he, uh, he wrote a set of war, um, ancient rules, and he didn't use dice. Yeah. He used uh, a spinner. Oh, right. You had to make a spinner. <laughs> yeah. And this giant spinner with all these numbers on it, and then he used to have to spin the, the thing, and it, whatever it landed on was the, the casualties. And it, it took, by the time you made the spinner, you were fed up with the rules, but it was just an innovative <laughs> idea at the time, you know? It's like, and you had like three classes of troops, you know, and you had to look, oh, yeah. it was so complicated. But the bounce stick was, was simple compared to... God, do you remember, how to, do you remember how to use, do you remember how to use it? Could you, could you describe to those who haven't heard of what a bounce stick, how it worked? I seem to remember it opened in the middle and went out as like a fan. And then I, I can't remember well, how it worked. There was all, well, to be honest, I, I should know because uh, when John wrote us a set of rules for me, Seven Years War, we introduced a bounce stick again. Oh, brilliant. Uh, no, it wasn't brilliant. Anyway, <laughs> but the idea was, and, <clears throat> but we used, we used an ordinary dice and we used a Warhammer dice which was the artillery uh, dice. So if you rolled it and it hit, you could put the, the stick exactly on top of the troops. Yeah. And then if it went through all the troops, then, you know, you, you'd have like 
the ones we had were red, blue, and green. And if you rolled your dice, how, how did it work? You rolled your dice, you know, uh, one and the two, say like red, three and four was blue, and then five and six was green. Mm. And if and if you roll the right number of dice in the right colour, then you hit. And if not, it could have bounced over and hit your troops, your troops or some other troops that were in the area. There was all sorts of complication. But the idea was that it, the, the, the shell literally, sorry, the, the cannonball literally bounced. Mm. So you could, in theory, hit three or four targets with it if you got mm. it right. It was very clever how it was worked. And it was very accurate, actually, if you think about it. Yeah. Artillery bounces, you know, well, certainly yeah. cannonballs bounced. Yeah. But, of course, then you had to introduce, well, was it damp ground or was it hard <laughs> ground? And if it was damp ground, it didn't bounce as many times. And yeah. if it was hard ground, it bounced higher and went, well, you know, it was, you know, the idea was quite realistic, inverted commas, yeah. you know. Uh, and that's it, it right. be interesting to bring it into another set of rules today and see how quickly everyone went. This is madness. <laughs> well, it's like the canister cone, really. If you think about it, I mean, you have yeah. to make this this cone out of metal wire yeah. and put it over top of the troops. And the troops that were in the canister had the chance to be killed if you rolled this. So you count the number of troops and then roll and see how many dice hit it, hit them. Yeah. You could wipe out a whole unit in theory, but uh, <laughs> it was. But they were trying, you know, the idea was realism, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, that's, and, and to be honest, when you when I was reading the, the early War Games digests in 1958, 59, 60, they were all trying to find ways to make it more realistic. Hmm. And to be honest, you cannot. Yeah. Because you can see everything. You know, you can see what you, what you can't see, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, when you're on a War Games table, you can see everything that's in front of you. And it's how do you how do you legislate for that? It's difficult. Yeah, I think, I, th- I think there was definitely a drive in those days to more try and simulate warfare rather than um, today. Would, it's more simplified. The rules of, of definitely are nowhere near as complicated I, I, as. To be were. honest, no, no. Well, I think the idea was was to show. Look, it's not a game of soldiers. Yeah. We reenact in war, and yeah. this is how complicated this war is. You know, you were, you were trying to justify, and and I realised a long time ago, I thought, at the end of the day, I just like playing with toy soldiers. Toy soldiers, yeah. And I, don't, don't try and rationalise you know, it. And, no, I, I, I just enjoy the, the, the drama and the colour, and mm. and it's just, it, it's fun, you know, and it's interesting, and learning about different people it's, mm. in history, it's just great, you know. But to be, to be fair, you know, Donald Featherston, he knew he wasn't accurate, so he, he went for the fun aspect and yeah. tried to bring in it that way, you know. And mm. it's, it's only when you get the likes of poor Bruce Curry who, who really blew your mind with his really complicated rules. That, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and I, I, I've got them. I've got the rules. I've got the book. I love the book. It's fantastic. Yeah. Napoleon uh, book. But the rules, my God. You see, we we, so we used to we that that was the game, that was the set that I started with. And we used to play absolutely massive games with those rules. Um, and I remember I remember um I was kind of the first generation that were into computers and computer programming, and I produced a uh I produced a, a, a little program that worked out the casualties. Uh, and that's probably my finest ever Jeez. computing moment. But but we used to do that in our head. <laughs> and now it's done. And then we did it with computers. And now it's just rolling a D6 and six and you're dead. But if you think about it, I mean, you know, the was it, was, was the movement broken down to sixths? So, yeah, it was. Like yeah. 
there was there was definitely quarters and, and involved because I remember if so, somebody charged you, you had a quarter turn reaction time before you could move. Uh, I rem- I always remember that. You know, and you're thinking, so you, how long were the were the inside of the musketry target? You know, just think, my God. I mean, I, I was never very good with maths anyway. I think, I think, hmm. love me thick or what? I just couldn't work <laughs> it out. And, and then you realise that actually, you know, you're spoiling the pleasure of the game. Yeah. But it, as it, I mean, it's a great book, and I, lo- I loved all the pictures and all the the nationalities and the characteristics, and that used to cause endless arguments if you think about it, you know. And oh, the, yeah. But, sit, sit two people in the room and go. Uh, Prussians plus one firing, uh, and that, yeah. you'd, you'd, that'd be it. You'd be off for two or three hours. Yeah, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and say, well, you know, these Spanish troops are better than those Spanish troops, and you, you know, yeah. oh. and to be honest, I can I can understand why that happened, you know, but yeah. we passed that now. I think well, we're a long way past. It. Can you imagine you blow some young young war gamer's mind if you try to explain that now? And when he explained, oh, well, this general actually wasn't as good as that general. And he, yeah. he, he's not going to be bothered about that. All he sees is a man on a horse and saying, you know, yeah. this is the man that's leading my men. I don't care if he's, he's a drunkard or whatever, you know. Yeah. But fashions change, don't they? They always go around yeah. in full circle. We'll go back to it in the end. Well, Peter certainly loved, loved the big game, didn't he? And um, looking through your website, there was... Uh, that Waterloo game we were talking about earlier on, I think was 21 by seven with, yeah. with a six by six for, for the Prussians. Um, so is, is, is that, if, if we were going to kind of agree on what a legacy for Peter would be, it would be those big spectacular games. Absolutely. I mean, the first one he did, apparently the one he had only had 1800 figures on it. Only. Which, which is a lot of figures, but yeah, you know, I I always remembered. And I thought, oh, surely there was more on there. But the eighteen hundred figures in nineteen sixties must have been a spectacular sight. Yeah. When normally they were just pushing a few, you know a, a half a dozen. You know what I mean? Hmm. So to have the 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 ability to, to put a big game like that on and and show it off must have been amazing. Hmm. But I, I've read a I read an account of that of the first Waterloo and uh, Gilda did the uh, the umpire and. And naturally, the French won. And yeah. uh, apparently, there, were, there was a few di- discussions after the game about how the French managed to win. And, yeah. uh, so I think I think Peter Gilder must have just tweaked the rules a little bit in the French favour because he was always yeah. a big Frenchman. If you if you get an old military modelings, there's an account in there uh, of um, his refight at Waterloo, and what he did, he took all the all the models of the howitzers on the on the battlefield. Hmm. Lumped them all together and set light the Hugomont with the uh, howitzer ah, fire. All right, yeah. Right? So <laughs> you, you know, you, you're thinking, well, you wouldn't be allowed to do that now, obviously, because they only have so many. But he yeah. he had the 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 sense to think, oh, we'll set light to this, and he just burnt the burnt Burns it to the ground. Into the ground. <laughs> yeah, with every howitzer he could get a hold of, you know. And it's uh, it was an interesting idea, but but what a spectacle it must have been to see. You know, there's a book. Um, um, of war games, a really old one by Peter Youngs, and he does like famous battles. And there's Gilder stuff in there, and you see, you see some of the figures, and they just even now they stand up to scrutiny. Yeah, against some of the you yeah, know, they still look good. Maybe not, good. maybe not the top painters, but yeah. yeah, they are. You know, and you've got to say, well, you know, forty odd years later, they're still as good 
as most people's figures. So you know, what, what yeah. a great way to. Well, you've yeah, put you've put a lot of work into the to the website, and and you've you've spoken to quite a lot of people by the sound of it as well. Um, <coughs> have you got any plans for the future for it? Have you got any people you'd still like to speak to? Well, I, I, the the one I wanted to speak to actually, I, I'm trying to, I went to see. Um, I'll tell you where I started. At. I went to see um, Harry Pearson, who wrote Acton Schweinhund. Yeah. And I thought, if I'm going to start, I might as well start with somebody who, who released a book, a War Games book recently, and had been obviously researching it. And um, mm. But actually, to be fair to Harry Pearson, when I met him, he, he couldn't really help us. Mm. But I would love I would love to do something with Harry Pearson. I mean, he lives about where, and it's just a great bloke. But the, I would like to add some more to it. Um, Phil Robinson I met, it was brilliant. Um, mm. But the worry is, you know, it's a grand hobby and people are starting yeah. to disappear. Tony Runke was a, a real pleasure uh, to mm. talk to. I would I would like to sit down with Dave Thomas, I think. Yeah. But it, it, trouble is, you know, it's uh, it's he's it's got some some of Peter's stuff in his home and, and it's absolutely amazing. And I'd love mm. to get my hands on it. And um but to be honest, thinking about it, I would like to do a, a little tribute to uh, Charlie Wesencraft, you know, because um Charlie's had a couple of hard years. He went into a, a care home, and the last I heard, he, he was just pottering away in the care home, and uh, he's still amazingly active in his 90s. He's, and I'd yeah. love to do a... When I went to interview him... Oh, that's not even an interview. When I went to see him, hmm. we spent five hours just talking war games. It was brilliant. brilliant. Was, oh, fantastic. And when he said about the fact that he had a book that, that the publishers wouldn't publish at the time, you know... Hmm. And I thought, oh, you've got to publish it. And he did in the end, bless him. But mm. uh, the only thing was, he nearly made me cry because when I first was talking to him and I said, oh, you know, you went down to the, the, the first uh, War Games convention and uh, you, you were a member of the, you know, you had the War Games newsletters. I said, Charlie, do you still have them all? And he, he said at the time, he says, oh, I had a clean out about a month ago and I burnt them all in the garden. Oh, no. And, and, I, and I looked at him and I thought, I'm going to kill you. I couldn't believe it. He said, no, nobody wants these magazines. Yeah. You know, and I, I've been searching for years for them all. And I, I said, you, have you burnt them all? He said, oh, they were just clogging up the, the room. And I said, you burnt yeah. a lot. And that's the trouble, isn't it? Some, yeah. some people, you know, just don't think they're worth, you know. But uh, it was he was great. He was yeah. he was brilliant to talk to. Him. There's, a, there's a lot of, I, lot of, I, lot of history in there. Well, to be honest, if you got the chance, I would. If you could get it, you should he, please interview him, because yeah. the man, the man's, he's a great raconteur and he's so funny. <laughs> some of the stuff he comes out with, honestly, I, I mean, he, some of the he he did a um, he did a, a piece for um, for Blenheim Palace, you know. Yeah, he did a beautiful um, model. He, he he was making models at the time, and he he did the one for the Churchills, because that's his big hero. Yeah. And I had to ask him. I said, you know, why why is you know Marlborough a great hero? He mm. says, well, what it was was, he says Marlborough wrote in his diary that he kept come home from just after Blenheim, and Roger, his wife, still wearing his riding boots, <laughs> and he said. You can't top that, can you? As a general, you know. <laughs> and I thought, you know, you think, yeah, yeah, you're right, Charlie. That's <laughs> oh, brilliant. No, I'll, 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 def I'll definitely put him on. I'll definitely put him on the list. And I, and I think it's, um, I think it's uh, great that you've got this website together. And I hope that more do come um, 
uh, you know more people do spend the time that you've spent because i think it's really important that, that we do record this and and as you say the 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 first generation of the or this that generation of war gamers are now very much into their 80s and 90s and if we don't record and and get down on paper or in, on an interview their memories now we're not going to have that chance again so um uh, no. a big thank you for, from me for putting it together really i think it's a fantastic place for you know i i didn't meet peter and he, and he, and he died you know five or six years after I started wargaming but he's had a massive influence on me and a massive influence on a lot of my friends uh, certainly from those um, board games illustrated covers and I think it's very important that, that we do uh, record that somewhere um, so the the wargames website if people want to go and have a look is um, www.petergilderalifeinwargaming.co.uk is that right? That's correct brilliant that's absolutely brilliant uh, and I, I, yeah, I recommend right, everyone. Right, you taught the legs off us. Hey, <laughs> grand. Well, just before <laughs> just before we go, just before we go, um, and I don't know whether you've prepared anything or not, but I do always say at the end, um, uh, interrogated you for a couple of hours. Is there anything um, that you'd like to ask me or any topic that we haven't covered that you would like to cover? Um, well, I'm just looking forward to the invite to your new uh, War Games Centre. <laughs> oh, so when we have <laughs> a big game. game. A giant game. Well, no well, if, worries, mate. No worries. If, if, as long as it's not modern, I'm, I'm, I'm your man. Yeah. I can yeah, make well, tea. I can, I yeah. can... I'll, I'll definitely sort something out. <laughs> because uh... you've, you've invited yourself to more salubrious places than Leeds. So uh, I, I think uh, inviting <laughs> yourself it would be an ideal thing to do. That's great. Anyway, oh, it right, was absolutely mate. brilliant. Thanks very much for your time. Changed. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers now. Cheers. Now. Cheers. Well, that was a cracking chat there with Robbie, and uh, the lad could certainly talk, and he could certainly tell a story, and uh, I hope you enjoyed that, and that uh, nostalgic look back uh, into the world of Peter Gilder. Uh, those of you uh, regular listeners will notice that uh, Robbie got away with the four-minute challenge at the start of the interview, uh, and that was because my little um, device with the countdown sound and... Um, uh, Detective Inspector Regan uh, failed to failed to work, um, so Robbie got more than his four minutes. But uh, he he was going along nicely, so I, I thought it was only uh, uh, polite of me not to interrupt while he was in full flow. So that was uh, Robbie Roddis, and uh, I'll put some links on the end of the show notes for this on both Podbean and YouTube with links to his websites, both for the Italian War stuff, the ones that got me uh, inspired to do my Borger Army, uh, his independent war games group website that uh, he's regularly still posting to and of course the Peter Gilder My Life in Wargaming and if you're not aware of Peter and the stuff that he did and in the start of the hobby then I encourage you to get along there and have a look and if you are a friend of Peter's or you've got some stuff some memorabilia kicking around um, then get in contact with me or, or Robbie and um, let's get it recorded let's get it down let it get it uh, there for posterity on uh, Robbie's website. Um, Peter does tend to get forgotten a little bit, I think, uh, in some of the podcasts I've been listening to recently, the Grants and Charlie Wesencraft and etc. 
um, always get mentioned. And Peter, I don't know, seems to have dropped off the radar a bit. Um, but uh, never forget on up here, obviously, with a War Games Holiday Centre in God's Own County. Um, he will be uh, the captain of Wargaming for Yorkshire uh, going forward forever, I would imagine. Um, so thanks for listening to that. Great to, to have you on board and hope that wasn't too nostalgic for you. Um, next episode, I'm hoping to get released in a second week in October. And again, it's going to be something a little bit different. And uh, I'm going to have two guests with me and it's going to be a bit of a podcast social media supergroup, if you remember supergroups from the 1970s, uh, when people from different bands would get together and form their own group. And it would, it, sometimes it would work spectacularly, like Bad Company, um, with, uh, <laughs> and then other times it just they'd fall apart with musical differences and it'd be absolutely dreadful so I'm going to get together two of the um, social media greats um, and uh, have a have a good old chat uh, probably do a War Games problem page as well and the two people involved are going to be Sean Clark from uh, God's Own Scale and uh, Alex Southern from Storm of Steel um, so I'm looking forward to those guys coming on and uh, having a really good chat um, about all aspects of gaming, big, small, little, big, um, 6mm to 28mm and beyond. So I'll see you in a few weeks' time for that episode. Looking forward to it. See you.